0: To the bomb hole.
1: Bomb-pole podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody.
2: We're going to slide down some big hills. You know what I mean? On the big, nice burgundy snowboard. Okay, here we go again. Welcome back to the bomb hole, which is presented by Pub Beer and Liquid Death. Now, first things first. Stony Buds, how are we doing? So good, my dog. God, I love hearing that. Warms the heart. Warms the soul, if you will. Uh, We got a great guest today. To my left, we have Mr. Joe Carlino. Joe, how are we doing, dog?
3: Good. Glad to be here. Thank you.
2: Well, we are happy to have you. For the listeners that are unfamiliar with who you are, uh, Joe is one of the best filmer editors to ever do it in snowboarding. Uh, Huge part of Nike's Never Not, editor, director of Nike's Never Not film. Uh, The Transworld videos, he made Transworld in color, which was video of the year, and uh all-around incredible human and dear friend. So this is going to be a fun one. Spent a lot of time filming with Joe over the years. And uh, my first question, we're going to get into some hard-hitting. Let's get into some hard-hitting uh, topics because you filmed everybody in snowboarding, the top of the top, the upper echelon. Um, who's your favorite person you've ever filmed with in your time as a snowboard filmer?
3: So the cool thing that I enjoyed the most about doing the Transworld videos was that it was different than most the other video crews where we switched every year, full crew, nine or 10 riders different every year. So between the three Transworld videos, then we did a video grass movie and then the Nike never not I had, I mean, you could say 50, 60 riders, you know, and they were all, like you said, at the top, top level off the top of my head. I think Nicholas Mueller is definitely one. The uh, ratio of record button to shot is out of this world, especially in powder, we all know, like, you know, all the snowers know how difficult it is to land in powder and off the littlest thing, you know, he's like, I see this thing. And I'm like, I don't know what you're going to do. I'll point my camera and I was like, Oh my God, that's the best method I've ever seen backlit snow falling. You know, rail wise, I shot a ton with Jed Anderson and he's probably also on that level of drop in to record button to trick land in a video. So you gotta, you gotta go with that, you know? Like, there's nothing like walking away with five shots on one rail before lunchtime.
2: So let's go, Jed. That's killer. Uh, yeah. Just so happens that we also have a guest question from uh, Mr. Jed Anderson himself. Here we go. Hey, what's up, Chris and buds? What's up, Joseph? Um, I got a question for you. A lot of people might not know this, but you moved out from the East Coast when you were pretty young to live in Bear Mountain with Justin Meyer. I was wondering what kind of shenanigans went on around then, and if you have any good stories. I know about the snowball incident, if you want to elaborate on that one. I was also curious of who has influenced you the most as a filmmaker and where you've pulled some uh, inspiration from. All right, I love you guys. Peace.
3: Uh, so two-parter, and first, what's up, Jed? I haven't seen him in a while. We did an Adidas project not too long ago. I got to hang. I went to Toronto to his place. It was sick. But I haven't seen him in a bit. Um, okay, so first one, Big Bear. So I actually randomly moved in with Justin. Or Justin actually randomly moved in with me because my roommate who I'd moved out uh, from Vermont with, he went and moved down the hill. Um, Justin Burleson, shout out. He's doing like off-road truck stuff now. But so he moved down the hill to San Bernardino and me and Joe Carter were living up there. We're like, we need another roommate. And then uh, through Real Deal... The snowboard shop up there, um, Pat Allen, I think connected me or maybe it was Denise Mazzotti, the, uh, you know, the Mazzotti family, Mm -hmm. they connected me with Justin and Amber and they're like, he's a filmer. Like you guys would like be cool live together. And we just, he just moved in and, uh, and it was really cool. I learned so much from Justin, um, when he moved in, especially about editing, like he taught me a lot. But as far as shenanigans, yeah, I mean, we were, like, 22 years old. Like, our rent was 250 bucks each. <laughs> you know, like, we didn't have to make any money. It was, we snowboarded every day on the mountain and filmed. And uh, the snowball incident he's discussing, I think we're past the, um, what's it, 10-year where you can't get a – yeah, you, they, oh, yeah the, uh, you can't get in trouble.
2: Yeah, past 10 years, they can't arrest you for it. I can't remember the name. <laughs> There's but, yeah. a ner-
3: name for that. Yeah, we're it. yeah, so anyways, we, we like, lived right at the bottom. Where Statue all of Limitations. Statue of Limitations. Yeah, yeah we're very good. Statue of Limitations, I think, right here. So, yeah, we lived right at the bottom of the mountain, and uh, the shuttles would go by. We were stupid kids. and We'd throw snowballs at people <laughs> in the shuttle, like, behind a fence. And there's this
2: clip of- Of course, this, Evil Meyer. Sorry to get yeah, interrupted. Yeah, yeah. Darth this, Meyer.
3: Totally. It was ridiculous. I feel so bad now. So if you're watching, hit me up. I, I apologize if you got there, the one that got hit in the face. <laughs> but yeah, it was brutal. Like a bullseye, you couldn't throw a snowball better if you ever tried. And it was just like a 300-foot throw, and it was just like, right in the guy's face.
1: Were we Talking a hard snowball no, or it was kind of a soft big, soft. big bear, big slush. bear yeah, slushy,
3: yeah, it was, it was soft, but yeah, that was uh, brutal. So, so I apologize. Like his feelings was, were hurt, that was about it. That was 15 years ago, so I apologize. Um, Justin Meyer's
2: gonna try to dig up that clip for us.
3: Oh gosh, I don't even know who should play it, but we should uh, definitely play it. And then, um, what was the second question? Um, oh, pulling infl- inspiration, oh, so in uh, inspiration, I was. When I moved that year to big bear from New York, I was super inspired by, uh, robot food. Um, after bang and lame, we would watch Neo Proto, the blue, the blue cover one, like the self-titled one that Pierre Minhondo and Justin Niels Corey Kaniniak, they did that. We would watch those every day. And then from there, I was really inspired by the trans skate videos. Um, and that was like, I think in bloom maybe and subtle, uh, subtleties Subtleties, yeah yeah yeah, i think those two um that was like you can kind of see a lot of that in my style like even like the film burns and you know like little artsy voiceovers but yeah i watch those literally every day um and if i went back even farther it would be technical difficulties um in through uh nixon jib fest that was what made me move to big bear Mm -hmm. watching even though it wasn't shot in big bear i was like Growing up on the East Coast, I was like, oh, my gosh, we could ride an entire run. And then Bear Mountain became the entire park. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole mountain was a park. And I was like, you can do that every day in slush and not be f- ice cold. And so that, those were the movies that, like, inspired me for sure. That's 100%. killer.
2: Well, I think we should back it up because you're at Big Bear right now. Let's back it up to exactly kind of how you got your foot in the door with filmmaking, filming, editing. I know you got an internship at a young age, and that was that was kind of – a. Uh, uh, out of character for a kid your age to to kind of go on and, and be so successful at that time, right?
3: Well, it was cool because our my high school, I grew up in Westchester, New York, just outside of New York City on the border of Connecticut. It's actually not far from where you and Scott Stevens mm-hmm. and Beresford grew up. And um, yeah, my high school, the last semester of high school, you did an internship. And uh, funny story, I actually almost did at Zoo York. So these guys that I used to mountain bike with, they were good friends with the owner of Zoo York. So I went down there to the city, like did a, you know, interview with them. And they're like, cool, like you can be our intern, but you know, this is what you're going to do. And it was like packing boxes, sweeping, you know, nothing that I wanted to do. And I wanted to do a video internship. So surprisingly that I like had the, uh, the influence to not take that because it was so cool. New York in, in 2001 was the sickest, you know? So um, I found this random, wedding video company that was maybe 20 minutes from my house. And he's like, they're like, yeah, you can come in and we'll teach you how to edit and we'll teach you everything. And so I took that even though it was, it was way, way more lame. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that internship, I did it At the end of the internship. They ended up giving me a job that summer where I was editing these wedding videos. And I was the first one in their group to do it on a computer. And I was like super quick. So normally these older guys, they would be editing tape to tape in 2001. So it would take maybe three days to edit a wedding video. And, uh, he had this structure it was like $800 to edit, you know, X amount to shoot and all that. So I was like making 800 bucks a video to edit. And I found this formula where I could do two a week. So I was making 1600 bucks a week after my internship and, uh, yeah, making six grand, like literally like after high school finish, I was making six grand a month that summer. So I started saving money and, um, yeah, eventually moved out to big bear to chase, you
2: know, filming snowboarding. Um, And then you got to I know the way you you got your job in Big Bear was pretty cool I I think it's like it's important to hear because there's people that want to get a job like in a way They're in your shoes at that time and what you did I think is fascinating
3: Yeah, and so that Winter after high school. I shot a couple things like around uh, around Vermont actually with with your boy Chris Acker. You remember Chris? Mm -hmm. So I met him and he and we got a couple of shots in four one one the openers and I was like, that was like, I was like, oh, I'm in a video. I got, um, I even shot something for 411 BMX. And I was like, okay, cool. I like kind of, kind of figuring it out, you know, moved to California. And on my way out, my mom's like on the Big Bear website. And it's like looking for someone to film web videos. This is 2003, let's say at the time. And we're like, what's a web video? Literally, like, you know, there was no, was doing that besides the teasers on like a trans world or something. Mm-hmm. So I go there and I give Brad Farmer, Shout out, he also used to do Arbor, at Brad Farmer. So he was the marketing guy there. And go up there, give him a VHS tape with pretty much nothing I had filmed. You know, like, and um, this is more recently, he told me that my tape was pretty horrible and it wasn't the best, but I was the only one who went up there every week and bothered him. And so he said he gave me the job because I was the only one who did that.
1: Persistence wins. Uh, Yeah.
3: Yeah, and, and, you know, and that was something I did learn, and my mom always, like, pushed me on, to You know, squeaky wheel gets the grease and, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I was up there in, like, mid-October. We had moved there, me and Joe Carter, and there was nothing to do. So, like, every week I was just kind of bugging him. It was, like, my in. And, and then, yeah, from there, that's how, like, Sundays in the Park started. Mm-hmm. You know, I did – it wasn't coined to Sunday in the Park until Justin Meyer did it three years later, but – yeah, Brad would pay me 100 bucks per video, and I would shoot one a week. And, and I'd make 400 bucks a month. And we'd just snowboard every day and film. And that's, that's also how I met, like, Johnny Miller, Chad Tarbell, Bradshaw, all those guys, you know, because we needed people to film with. And so it was kind of, that was, like, my in.
2: So were those videos on YouTube or they were embedded on the site? So they were embedded on
3: um, Bear Mountain site only. Okay. And that was it. And then um, I can keep going. And that yeah. was, like, when I met Evan Lefevre who uh you know now brand manager with Adidas and he was intern at Transworld and he was a snowboard instructor at Snow Summit like we just randomly met you know and um he's an intern and then one day he's like yeah man like we should put this on Transworld like like I'm an intern there and I was like I remember the first video that went on Transworld I was like I am on Transworld this is crazy like my video is there you know no music rights nothing and uh, so that was a really cool experience, especially like I told you being inspired by Transworld skate videos. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm on the Transworld website and uh, I found a video not too long ago. And the dimensions I export is actually, it was like 240 by 480. <laughs> it's smaller so than your, it's smaller than your, well, it was four by three back yeah. then. It was smaller than your iPhone. Mm-hmm. And we used to, that's what we used to watch on the Bear Mountain website. If anyone ever, if anyone remembers that. That's mm-hmm. just
1: the biggest they could go.
2: Yeah. It's transferring footage and up, like the uploading, d- uploading yeah. was such a nightmare back Bandwidth, then. Yeah. It
3: takes so long. huh? Two thousand five, right?
2: Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting time to think because it's like you know, even as it evolved into YouTube, and there there was kind of web videos, and then there's DVDs. And if you're if you're in a snowboard DVD, you're in standard. You're in tr- you're in um, MacDog. You're in people. You're in one of these <laughs> like these kind of bigger production companies. That was legitimate pro snowboarding and web videos were kind of viewed as like a lesser than kind of, you know, get your foot in the door type of thing. But they, that was like the future. And, and I don't think you, you were kind of forward thinking. Did you did you have the foresight to realize that it was the future or were you just kind of going with it?
3: No, like we didn't know what we were doing. We were just, Brad just wanted to give people updates. What was happening at Bear real time and inspire kids to come up and snowboard like Johnny and Chad and Bradshaw that was, that was literally it, you know, and then it snowballed into, we made a DVD and then we did a premiere. Um, I think it was called the park was the first DVD. And so we did a premiere at the hot dogs and handrail. So it became like this cool thing. We tried to get a lot of people in it, you know, like a lot of the locals and we definitely had our crew back then. And like, I know we did, you know, for sure, but we try to give people a shot, but it's also like, I have, I had limited time too. Like I couldn't just film everybody. That's Mm -hmm. why we definitely stuck with our crew for sure, but Bradshaw. Yeah. I mean, you know, you go out with Johnny and you just do a lap and it's like, that's almost a video, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, so, you know, you have limited time to do this and edit. And I wasn't that fast at editing at the time. So you have, you know, four days to film and we release on a certain day, you know, and Justin, you know, after three years when he started doing Sunday in the park, he really got a really good formula down. And I love that they started releasing them every Sunday where when I was doing them, it was kind of like once a week, like we'll get it live. Um, but yeah, it was it was really cool, and, and that helped me with quick editing. And actually, that goes back to the wedding video too. That was where I learned how to quick edit, you know. And that's how you know in editing, that's how you make your money, like doing it fast because it's a set rate. You're not doing it by the hour. Mm-hmm. So
2: makes sense. Well, speaking yeah. of Justin Meyer, we actually have another guest question from none other than Justin Meyer. Here we go.
1: What's up, bomb haulers? Hey there, Joe Co. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you uh, maybe talk about animatic. And the movie we edited, but never put out. I don't think we even hit export. But uh, yeah, maybe he goes through that. And uh, who was in your MySpace top eight? <laughs> Later body, love you.
3: Uh, what's up, Justin? I should give him a call. I was gonna call him last night, but I was in and out of here, Salt Lake. But um, Animatic was we called our video company when we and, when we lived together. You know, and we were just filming Jibin and Johnny and Chad and those guys, but a lot of that footage ended up going into the park. So Brad farmer actually let us put big bear street rails in the park video because we were like, Oh, it's like kind of the scene up here. We made a like a DVD of the scene. So that was pretty sick. Uh, but yeah, it never came out, but that's what we called it. Um, and then uh, the MySpace top eight, I think that he's just referring to when we all live together and Joe Mertes, we all live together and we, we all were all over like, I better be in your top eight on MySpace." It was me, Justin, Joe and Amber. We all live together. So
2: yeah, classic. Dude,
3: MySpace is making a comeback. I think.
2: Yeah, that'd be sick. Really? <laughs> I, I, <don't> know. <laughs> I think so. Okay, well, I think we should kind of change gears here and talk about the Transworld videos because that was a huge deal at the time. Uh, you were kind of only known for making web videos. You hadn't made like a full feature film, and the Transworld skate videos were held in such such high regard. They were the top of the totem pole from skate videos. And uh, you came in there and just and just knocked it out of the park. So my two initial questions would be for you: is like a, you know, what was it like dealing with the pressure of that and the stress? And then b, I think it's cool for people to know like how those videos work and how the video buy-ins work. I think a lot of the the general, you know, public maybe doesn't know how how you're bought into a snowboard video and stuff in the the back end. I think that would be cool to talk about. So yeah, you can just go ahead on that.
3: Yes. Yeah, so. You know, meeting Evan Lefevre, he ended up getting hired at Transworld and was, uh, he, he ran the website. And, uh, me, you know, I started meeting Cody Dresser, Annie Fast and all of them. And so I kind of started getting in there with the crew. And then eventually they offered me a job, full-time video job, but it wasn't to do movies. Uh, it wasn't to do action videos. So at first I had to go to all the contests the first year. So I went to all the contests and I did quick turns. Like I shot the slope event, you know, I shot the half pipe and I had to edit them that night and they would post them the next day because Mm -hmm. at the time there was no live like at the U S open or something. So I did all those and I kind of had to prove myself to Kurt Hoy, who was our boss at the time. And, um, so also that year I had to do a how to DVD. Um, and it was the first one of trans world called 20 tricks. Mm -hmm. And so that was like my first movie. And at the time it was kind of told to me like, Hey, this is like a test, you know, like, can you produce it? Can you meet the riders? Can you completed on time all that so i completed it and then the next year i was able to you know come up with this plan to do these days and the 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 twist on it from a normal standard or absinthe or MacDoc video was that we were going to do web content so we were going to be filming so i was like hey we can make a dvd we can get all this sweet content and then we could put the parts out later and nobody was doing that at the time um and then yeah i got the green light to do it and yeah i mean we all worked as hard as we could, you know, uh, it was Corey Kaniniak and Gary Milton, uh, working on that as well. And, you know, we were all, we were all green, you know, we didn't know really what we were doing. Um, I was really inspired again. I'm going to bring up the Transult Skate videos. It was Jason Hernandez and, and John Holland were in the edit bay next to me, you know, and I'm just like, go in there and I'd geek out, you know, and I would hear them actually editing their videos. And I'm like, what song is that? Wait, where did they find that song? You know, like I would hear them on repeat and I would just wait and they would show me like leaks and stuff. And it was so cool. So that was super inspiring. Like I was like, I got to be at their level like these guys. But that also put me in a spot where I tried too hard, I think, you know, and I took it way too serious. Like everything, you know, every song had to be the song and we had to get the music rights. If if I don't get this song, I'm going to be depressed and You know, I was an emotional kid in my 20s anyways, (laughs) (laughs) so I put a lot of effort into it. And, uh, you know, one day of just edit, we were editing all night and I went to the, uh, to get food like 4 a.m. or 4 p.m. So like worked all day, slept during the daytime and then woke up and walked into this deli and just fully walked through the door and face planted like in a movie, smashed my chin here. And uh, I woke up with the ambulance there and i was just blood everywhere, I sweated through my clothes. And they were like, are you on drugs? Like, are you okay? Like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. And I passed out again. So I went to the hospital. They did all the checks, you know, heart checks, everything and nothing was wrong. And the only thing we could go back to was stress. You know, I was just taking it too serious. Um, and it's it's tough, man. I, I think artists should take things serious for sure. But that was my level. That was my limit. And I remember Joel Muzzy, coming up to me, you know, maybe the next day or something, you know, we surfed a lot. We hung out a lot. And, and Joel was just like, Hey man, you know, you're going to do this video now. It's going to be awesome. People are going to love it. You're going to, it's going to be great. But in 10 years, you're going to be like, that's was just a video you did, you know, and it's, and you're going to move on and you're going to be doing something else even cooler and better. And, and it's exactly what it is now, 12 years later. It's cool. Like, it's awesome that you guys even talk about it. Like, cause I, I still never think about it as being that sweet. It's just like, I just It's cool. Got to hang out with all you guys, Louis and and everyone. Um, But yeah, yeah, that was like my limit, you know, and um, so I've learned now, like, there's a limit to like how much I need to move a frame left and right, you know, nobody's going to see both of the videos, they're only gonna see the final one. So if I move a frame left or right, you know, they don't know the difference. So um, I think that was answering your question. That was like, uh, what it was like, I guess the
1: first year, you know? It's like an episode of Sopranos passing out like that. Dude, yeah. it was crazy. It was the whole premise of
2: the show. I totally remember Stress. just
3: like I was like nauseous, everything turned white and then I was just like well, like arms to the side, you know, like just straight to the chin.
2: This guy's Shh. been up remapping clips for 4 hours trying to get yeah. that perfect. Mirror. Exactly. Dude. <laughs> the sound yeah. just going through his I head. Know, totally. I don't know if this one's it. I just don't know.
3: <laughs> we should talk about your impression of me. Is that really what I sound like? <laughs>
2: <laughs> he he mentions that a lot too. Yeah. throughout the years. I mean, we can we can judge it with the. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it rolling when you fall and Let's get real. I feel that. like that's.
3: Yeah, I'm good. I'm trying to keep it rolling. Let's try and keep it rolling
2: here. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty
3: good. Really?
2: <laughs> I think it's uncanny, personally. Uh, what do you, do you think when you hear it?
3: Uh, it doesn't sound anything like what I hear in my ears. So, <laughs> um, I I forgot what podcast it was. You were talking about going to Alaska in the Micro Hotel. Yes, and you're like. I don't remember ever having a deal at the micro hotel, but you're like, yeah, I got this deal for you guys at the micro hotel. And I was just like, what?
2: there there was some deal. It, we, We were, we went to Minnesota and you got us a deal in a hotel for get real year and you knew somebody at target or you got some type of deal in Min- minneapolis oh, we got a deal in a hotel oh it wasn't alaska yeah minneapolis minneapolis yeah the and target you're like, lady hey i'm going to get a, i got you a deal through the target oh, guys on the shit. hotel you guys
3: have <laughs> such good memories that's true <laughs> the target lady mm-hmm. um this girl was working for target and she hooked up she was in down with transworld and like would do marketing with transworld and not expect anything. Like she, they furnished the entire Trans World office, and then she would hook us up on film trips. If we went to Minnesota, she paid. You're right. She paid for that whole hotel. She'd pay for it all, and then she would take us to sushi and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just like Ooh, full crew. Give Just, her an airhorn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the gift cards were insane yeah. too. She would give you Target every time you saw her. She'd give you like hundred dollar Target here, here gift card.
2: Joko's always wheeling and dealing. Like, I got a Target guy. Well, dude.
3: I'll get you hooked up, <laughs> dude. Me and Evan used to live off the Target <laughs> gift cards. It was insane. She was, was giving you that many oh yeah it was sick like the full house was all the toilet paper was bought on that Target gift card <laughs> <All the toilet.
2: laughs> dude it was like 6k or something or like some pretty large no, it was a $600 hotel bill I think really? and then she was just like whatever yeah, yeah yeah like they just booked it for Target us. money
3: yeah they, but just because we were in Minnesota they're like oh you're in our town we're going to take care of you and I was just like oh I hope it snows in Minnesota let's go back <laughs>
2: Man so so let's get back into talking Transworld because I think the way you went about you touched on it briefly but the way you went about hand selecting the riders mm-hmm. and how that behind the scenes things works and how it's different from other videos
3: totally and and uh, yeah I think Ethan you might know a bit about this doing all the Tech9 videos so the way the Tech9 <coughs> the way the videos are managed as far as budgets like the money's got to come from somewhere mhm um, and snowboarding was a lot different than the skate guys. The skate guys would actually almost pay all out of their own skate budget to do those movies, but their budgets were way smaller. You know, they're all filming in San Diego and LA, like almost no cost. You and know? they
1: can go year round. Exactly. Not yeah. as stressful.
3: It was pay for John's salary, pay for Jason, pay for the music, and then they would get money when they could. Uh, and those guys were just like, "Oh yeah, we film with whoever we want." And I was like, "What?" So the way trans world worked with the snow thing and my formula of the web videos is we needed, I needed nine or 10 guys and on average about 25 grand per rider um, to come in from their sponsors. Cause the way I, my budget worked was like, I needed 200 to 250,000 to make a video. And that was uh, three film or salary, three travel and music. And that that's not even color correction. Like I did all that on my own, like no audio mixing or anything. So some riders, you know, I. Or the cash cows, you know, like they brought in more than 25 grand, maybe 40 or 50, you know. Um, and let's say, like, the in color year, or because um, we had Monster, you know, Monster just put in, you know, six figures straight up. So it covered people like Jake OE, you know, who maybe had five grand from Signal or something. But yeah, that's like that. It's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't know. It's like, if I could pick anybody, yeah, I would pick the top 10 dudes that were down, but then also. Picking the riders, they also had their crews, like the people guys. Like they didn't want to leave their crew absent. the Same thing, like because if they left their crew, they might not get back in. And the Transworld was a one-year deal, like straight up. They knew it from the start, you know. But with the Transworld, they also had other opportunities. We did like, you know, they got covers, they got interviews. There was an article about the movie, and the sponsors got more out of it too. So mm-hmm. the sponsors got the movie, they got the website um web videos and then they also i think some of them got ads too mm-hmm. to pit you know and the there was a whole sales team that was doing it and, and i was like working with them but i'm also like dude this is my dream list like what do you think and then it narrowed down and and i still wanted it to my formula was like three rail guys three pow and then three guys that did the maybe the middle you know did both because i wanted it to be a diverse movie you know uh, and then on top of it actually you need those nine riders to be friends mm-hmm. You know, or at least three groups of three to be friends. So there's like, there's a lot there than just picking
2: riders, you know? Yeah. A and lot of moving parts. And, and what a lot of the things you did too is like a lot of times for for the next year after In Color, or no, after the first one you did was These Days. Yes. And then the second one you did was Get Real. Yep. And I was in that. And um, thanks to Java Fernandez um, when he was working at Solomon, he basically gave Jed. Anderson and myself are our breaks like jed was was known from basically web videos. He had a couple clips in these days I had done some things, but I hadn't had a a major breakout video part or anything and the thing that's kind of wild back then to think back on it is that Back then if you were in one of these major videos Everybody saw it like it's you if you had a good part in a major video you were You were set like it was all it's all you needed. It was made It was make or break literally make or break those videos and so you know, my entire career was basically built on the first video part I did with you. And it's just kind of wild how how things have changed. It's not it's not like that anymore.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's so different. Like back then, what were the top videos, you know, that you were going to watch or you had to buy at the time? So there was standard absinthe always.
2: MacDog might have been. They were still going, but people their, was there. Yeah, people
3: was there um you know yeah you had the trans world video you had five there was one or two european videos always you know so you can count less than 10 hand less than 10 fingers you know those were the videos like i gotta watch this year whether it was your friend bought it you bought it or you bought all 10 you know at the shop so yeah i mean yeah it's different and it's also limited spots right you know like that's only top 70 riders are gonna get a video part you know now it's dude i can't even count i hope actually the um The video part question, I hope it's an old video because there's so many new ones I can't keep up, you know, like everything basically from landline, van land vans landline to now, it's like, dude, there's too much, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bummer that it's like that, but that's social media, you know, like the endless feed. Mm -hmm. That's the life we live right now.
2: Yeah, it is what what are your thoughts on the on this the saturation?
3: I mean, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. You know, it happens in any industry, snowboarding, um, motocross, mountain biking, like seeing this, you know, just being at Rampage and being then coming here. And it's like my entire feed is Rampage, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, but they over, they saturate it. And, you know, snowboarding is like every trick is on Instagram now, which is sick that I get to see it, but it's also a bummer Mm -hmm. that there's no waiting to see uh, Mammoth's part. You know, like, in dude, in Mahmoud? Yeah, Mahmoud. holy cow. Yeah. Like, he just posted it. They posted a couple of clips, like a teaser. And I was just like, I would love to film that. Like, yeah. like, I'll still go out there for free. If you want to do that, man, call me. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to get blown up. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like, uh, Quebec's is still uh, holding the Mr. Carlino. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but there was never, we didn't have
1: We've that. We've got snow, <laughs> please come out.
3: <laughs> in 2008, 2009, you didn't have that endless like ender on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. You had to go to the premiere or somebody had to be like, did you see this guy's part? Oh my God, how am I going to get it? You go to, you know, to the, even if you watch at the shop on the TV, Mm -hmm. right? Dude, I
2: I got I want to run it back. I just had this, this thought too, of when we were filming for Get Real, Um, it was kind of a cool time because if you look at Jed and I, we're kind of sharpening our teeth as far as snowboarding, trying to get our foot in the door. You were, you were kind of honing, honing in on your skills as a filmer editor And the first trip we went on, it was like, uh, you know, me, Jed, Will Levine, and yourself, and we went up to Jamestown, New York, and it was before Thanksgiving. I remember, you know, I had five shots before Thanksgiving. Jed had fucking 30, and we were just, like, basically beaten in the cage and, like, let out to go film this video part. Like, we were possessed. It was just, like, so... I've never had, like, the amount of drive between our collective crew was just out of hand. And um, there was this... They basically you, you had all these clips maybe let's let's call it three or four minutes of footage or something like this and the way I remember it is like you laid down this timeline and you know this is November we're all excited and you lay down all the clips and you had this song you had been like quote-unquote like waiting to edit to and all of a sudden you're like bring us over to the computer once you're done and you fucking, you ramp this clip <laughs> and it hits the it like hits the uh, beat exactly at the perfect time like Jed lands and it hits the beat or one of us lands and you're like and we were just blown away, me, Jed, everybody blown away, like holy shit. And you're like, Ah, I've been waiting to do that for so long. <laughs> it's like this like <laughs> orgasmic release. And who knows my memory changed it, but that's how I remember it. I mean Was there a release? I d I don't know if it didn't sound like that.
1: It <laughs> <laughs> might have sound a little like that, but
3: um but yeah, no, I totally I, I, I remember uh, putting footage together. And I love doing that. I still do that to this day, no matter what shoot I'm on, because whether it's a brand that you're on or the writers, everyone just gets so pumped so to excited. see footage. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I still do that. Did that, you know? Yeah. I mean, literally up until I've been here on, you know, just out at rampage, you're just putting footage together, showing people, cause that's what they want to see. Mm-hmm. And that song actually. So I think that's the thing you're talking about. The song that, um, was Jed's ender in the video. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, he gave that to to shout, me. Whatever. Yeah, I think like... it's shout. Um, and he gave that to me. And he, uh, his buddy Graham found it on a record, mm-hmm. and was like, "Yeah, man, you should use this." And I was like, "Full." It was full like transworld skate ender. I mean, that that actually influenced a lot of all of his songs are those dramatic ending songs. You know what I mean? Like the Mozzie Star one in Video Grass. Yeah, that that was really cool time. And a funny story about that song was we couldn't get rights to it actually, so we edited his part and we. Um, Lori Vincent, who does the music, couldn't find out who owned the song. So she's like Googling and then couldn't find it. And I randomly found that record on eBay and I bought it from Europe. Waited, 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 showed up a couple of weeks later. And then on there, I found who the uh, rec- who recorded it. Then she looked up that. Everyone was dead. So then she found like a daughter of like the lead singer and then she signed off on it. So holy that, shit. That song wow. was a wild story. That
2: song was close. Like if I didn't find that record on eBay, we wouldn't have been able mm-hmm. to use it. And you know, it's it's interesting too yeah. going back talking about the the Trans World had the was known for like dramatic ender enders. Like I almost call it like, the lifetime achievement award ender. You know, it's that it's those song when you have that song and you're like, Man, if I have the year of my life and like I can use this and uh and fucking Jed he he had more tricks than you knew what to do with that year. Insane. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Two songs yep. in that part. And I, yeah, we tried to make like that, that first one a little quicker. Cause he, cause actually that's what Jed wanted. He wanted a quicker heart, like faster, funny personality. And like, just straight up, honest. Like I'm not that good at editing like personality parts, you know, like, like you have so much personality. I'm just not that good at it. Um, Pierre Hondo was so good at it. <laughs>
2: I re- sorry to interrupt you. I remember. I remember now. Back to the editing bay. Get real. We were originally going to use a uh, "Put On for My City" by Young Jeezy. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a hammer. Couldn't get rights. Yeah, we right. went no with, way. We went with Edward Sharp. Too many you different people.
1: Are involved with the dude, rap, rap
3: songs. Like sometimes they're like calling people in jail trying to get and they're written by off. like five people yes. and mm-hmm. and it's like oh my cousin by my five. cousin was in the booth rolling a joint he's got to sign off on it Yeah. <laughs> dude, like no joke like that's legit happened. There's a
1: drug totally. dealer that yeah. might have
2: funded the studio time. Exactly, mm-hmm. got to track him down. Mm-hmm. Way harder. I remember telling you I was like I was like dude like you sent me a rough cut I'm like it's pretty good I think it should have like a little more personality you know and you're like you're like okay so you want people you want People meets minefield. <laughs> What's minefield? That, that's true. A yeah. Minefield, alien
3: workshop skate video. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, that yeah, was totally. Weird. But but so I was he just gonna say, that's true. Pierre Minhondo is so good at editing personality, yeah. and I, I just. I, I, it was probably my influence, but it's weird because even it being influenced by Robot Food, they had so much personality, they just figured out a funny way to do it, and I just, I'm, man, I'm too emotional. I they have, like, a it.
1: quirky personality, and yeah. so sort do of the guys filming it, and so I think that just helped Yeah, I just, like, could never it figure out.
3: it out, you know? Like, I was always just more, like, hit stuff on beat, slow motion, like, ramping, like, dramatic song. Like, I always, like, I always was, my favorite parts are the ones where I, like, you get chills when you watch it, you know? And so like, like personality stuff. It's a I good was, way to be though. Yeah. I was like, I just could never get that out of like a personality edit, you know? And, and like Justin Meyer is like king of it with videographs. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that is video is personality. Filming those
1: odd moments. Yeah.
2: So that, I got to ask, sorry to uh, yeah. catch you off there, but you filmed all these incredible video parts. What is, you got to pick one. You can't really video this thing. You got to actually. Best you, part. You, you not had one, one you could hang your hat on that you're the most proud of. Which one would it You're be? You're talking part. Yeah, video part that he's filmed and edited.
3: That's really hard. And it, I'm going to give this answer, and it's maybe not because it was the best one. And it's definitely up there. But Mark Soler's In In Color, mm-hmm. I edited that in eight hours. Really? And I barely changed it. It was like first go, first sit down to that song. And I like, it just like literally just like, I was like blacked out. And the clips were just fogging the timeline. And then I watched it and I was like... Whoa.
1: Flow state.
3: I was like, that's pretty good. Flow. Nice. And not necessarily, like I said, like, I mean, there's been tons of parts that, that are amazing. Like, you know, you go back to Nicholas's stuff. Um, even I like Jed into Nicholas. Actually, that's pretty funny that I said Jed and Nicholas were my favorites. And in the Nike video, it was Jed's part. And then that song flowed into Nicholas. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that was a little subconscious uh, favorites things. there. Um, you know, like that's uh Haldor's part in never not was like, was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the saddest thing that I actually have a lot um, when I look back on stuff. I usually don't watch videos after the premiere, but when stuff comes up like your part in um, Get Real that Torment posted recently, it's so the tricks and stuff are so much better gnarlier now than when you're in the moment and you're you shoot a trick and you move on because I have so much we have so much more to do. Mm-hmm. And I saw it with Austin Smith and Brian Fox's stuff that I've shot with them. And uh, I think I messaged one of them and I was like, dude, that part was crazy. Like your tricks are still good today. And that was, you know, five, six years ago. Because you're you know, you're in the backcountry and you get a clip and all I'm thinking about is I just want another. So that that's the only sad part about filming a lot of this stuff, you know. Like it's just get it and move on where I wish I could take it all in and I see it later and I'm just like, dude, that was big first try, like could have gotten really hurt. So mm-hmm.
2: It, yeah i was gonna say uh going back to your favorite video part if i was gonna say i would i think you're uh monet what would you call that monet. masterpiece yeah, masterpiece Let's i'm gonna go. go keegan velika in color hmm. that one's kind of a fucking hitter that was really good hayden wrench did a lot of filming on that yeah. that
3: was really sick that song was really good um yeah and his style was sick Um, Did you guys ever hear the story about that the red ledge I went with him? Uh, I know it, but tell it again because it's incredible. There's the red ledge in Quebec. Is this still still around? It's actually gray. It's gray now. So the down flat, um, we you know everything was moving that year. That was the transworlding color year. Everything was going good and like and I try and give any rider that we're working with whatever they need to be successful, right? And Keegan wanted to go get a trick on this red ledge, so we literally flew from California. To Quebec, just me and him, and just drove straight to the red ledge just to get a trick on the on the red ledge, and we are out there just me and him in the cold, and he's trying to two front two seventy on front board down a down flat like ice cold brick hard, just me and him, and he's just fighting it and fighting it, and I'm like running up the stairs with them trying S- to joke no snow too like no barely snow. any like we're moving stuff in with garbage cans and like I was just at one point I'm just like this is crazy like. I don't know. I just hopefully nobody at Trans will ask me where this budget com- comes from, you know, and then uh, we actually left there not thinking he got the trick. He was over it. He kind of did one, but kind of like comes off weird. But then the way I ramped it, I think it ended up looking super styly, like super sick, and it ended up going in. But um, we left there. So we went, we flew in, got a hotel, went to the Red Ledge. and We might have even flown out that night and that was it back to california and we were like kind of defeated and i was on the airplane ramping it and i was like dude it's actually kind of sick like i think it works and then in the whole edit it worked really sick with this song mm-hmm.
2: that's an that's an incredible story flying from california yeah. to the northeast to quebec to get one clip and not even think you yeah, got it and but it wasn't cheap too like you know I mean? yeah like back like to quebec
3: montreal yeah montreal then drove and it was mm-hmm. like but yeah i, I don't know I, even you know with you and, and everybody it's just i always wanted everyone to have the opportunity. Like if we needed a filmer, it's like Gary, okay, this guy wants to go do this. Can you go, you know, like you never want anyone to feel like they left something on the table, mm-hmm. you know? So as long as they had the opportunities and same with, with everyone, Gary, Greg Wheeler, Hayden, like we all did the movies together, you know, as long as we all worked our hardest, you know, you can't ask for anything more. And that's kind of after the whole, uh, these days fainting thing. I was like, just work your hardest. and And that's all we can ask for. And then at the end of the day, video is what it is we worked our hardest we can't mm-hmm. go back
2: also one other thing while we're on transworld too we got to talk about Luif these days part i mean Luif was basically unknown before that you know to the to the people that really had their finger on the pulse they knew Luif, but he he was he came on the scene hot and i know that was your first video he was kind of your first pick of who to film Uh one of them and I just want you to kind of lean into that
3: totally well to be honest like he wasn't actually Necessarily my first pick Hoppe really pushed me on him and um I remember seeing the bandwagon video and it's like yeah, that's sick, you know, like it's really cool But nobody knew anything about this Louis guy, you know, barely spoke english Um, so me and dirks went to quebec. I think that was the first trip of the year Maybe we flew out there and met Louis, and um Went to his house, met him and his now wife, and we're just like sitting there, like they barely speak or eating breakfast. And then we go to the ledge that he did the the back two seventy pullback on, or the rail, the rail. Yeah. That was the first thing we filmed with Louis, first spot in Quebec that year. And uh, that was an
2: unseen trick at that time. Un- yeah. Oh yeah, un- yeah.
3: He he didn't tell us what he was going
1: to do. He was just like
2: hardly any words exchanged. Oh,
3: itself, dude, he was really his yeah. English was not was not good at the time. You know. He does this trick and we're just like,
0: what,
3: you know, me and Nick and Nick, they get along right away. Like it's super cool because, you know, Louis at the time is like an outsider, you know, Jonas and Nick, Jonas Mitchell, Nick, uh, Dirks were super good friends at the time. So, um, but a story about that was he actually did it at a fisheye angle and it wasn't as good, but the photographer's memory card filled up on the sequence. So he's like, "Oh, I'll do it again. And then I was like, all right, well, if you're going to do it again, like I might go this long lens angle. And it was like 10 times better to show the trick the way he landed square on it. Mm-hmm. And the fisheye, you couldn't actually see how he like stops his body and twists. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost fate that he had to redo it again. Mm-hmm. And like I, he took him a couple more tries, but I was like, that's the last thing you want to happen. I mean, you know, as yeah. a, you, the last thing you want to do is ask a rider to do something again.
1: Especially some gnarly trick that you haven't seen before. And, and like... I'm glad it wasn't me. Who's the <laughs> photographer?
3: Uh, Oli Croteau. Naming names. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah the back to the face. It's all good because it all, happens to the best. Well, honestly, it was better. Like it was, it was fate it that helped he, you out. No, and the, he did it better too. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have had as much impact the uh, way he first did it. And he's, you know, Louis is a frame frame pincher like Mm -hmm. he goes every frame make sure everything's perfect so he might have probably done it again anyways that's i like that
2: yeah that's that's the story Mm -hmm. and that thing that thing that trick came on the scene and for people that were into rails it was fucking like your head exploded when that clip came out he also does a a cab 270 pretzel and that like as at that time the the it was about just technical rail tricks kind of like Almost like ledge skating in a way of like just extremely difficult rail tricks and he was literally just king of the castle, like came in and just shit on everybody. Dude, two
3: seventy to pretzel out. Yeah. And that's mid part, you know? Like Yeah, he that's had, a mid part trick. He had <laughs> so many cool tricks that year and he worked so hard and um but yeah, going yeah, I mean, yeah, he he worked super hard. Like he there was an opportunity and I worked just as hard as him. That's the cool thing. And that was kind of Going back to some we talked about earlier, people who inspire me, you know, like that inspires me when it's freezing cold, you know, even with you, your front board and get real minus 40 out. Ooh. His eyelids are shut. Frozen and, shut. And and I'm like you, I'm an outside guy, no car, you know, so I'll boots on the ground.
2: B on the G. Yeah.
3: B-O-G. Yeah. Yeah. B-O-G. Yeah. B-O-G. And it was, you know, it's like, I, I remember telling you, I was like, dude, you got this. And I, I had this. Picture of you exactly how you did it, and I was like, "I'll stay out
1: here. We'll do it." Yeah, you nobody know? Know wants to guys chilling in the van. No, one person's cold. But, 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 gonna be but cold. that's motivating, you know. Yeah. Like
3: he's dude. If he would have fallen on that front board, well, he, if everyone's his, in the van your,
1: and Andy your, falls, he's gonna get back in the van and not get a trick. Dude, <laughs> ice your, frozen your shut. Bones would
3: have
2: shattered if yeah, you that fell that. Was, that
3: Minus forty. <laughs> Like, it's like you drop something and his bones were just going to crack. And I was like, well, the
2: funny thing to fast forward to that is that we got that front board in the bag. And I remember this board that's hanging on the ceiling. I don't know if the GoPro angle can see it, but it's a handmade swallowtail. And uh, it's essentially, I cut the nose before the the kick of the nose rides up rises up. So you can't actually turn left or right on it. It's one of the worst riding boards ever. I kind of just had a vision of doing a front board and... It, the tail going over the fisheye filmed in the stairs of, and uh, there's this rail that was in my town where I grew up and it's been, you know, destroyed by Jed. Jed has done so much. Everybody's done crazy stuff on it, but at the time it was really pretty much unhit. So went there and I had actually bondoed the cracks in the rail the night before. So it was like, cause there's a, there's little separation. So I bondoed it, sanded it, got the rail all ready the night before. And I called Joe, and I was like, "Joe, I'm gonna I'm gonna front board this rail, this triple kink, which is kind of ironic because there's an Instagram <laughs> argument over there. But I'm gonna call it it's three downs and yeah. two flats. And yeah. so I might call it a double, but yeah, whatever you want to. The <laughs> name kidding. doesn't matter. So we bonded yeah. the fucking r- this rail, and I was like calling you, and I'm like, Joe, I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to front board this rail tomorrow. I'm going to do it on a swallowtail, film fisheye. It's going to go over the lens. It's going to be fucking sick. I still remember this, like, vividly. Do you 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 remember this conversation?
3: I kind of do, but I don't remember what I said. You were just like. I remember you being upset, but I block it out, I think. (laughs) He blocks out the trauma. He blocks out the trauma. I think I felt bad. Well, what happened was
2: you're like, well, I was like, you're like, well, you already have a front board on a kink. Like, why don't you just lip side? I'm like, it's already like my buddy Ted Lavoie lip slid. It's already been lip side. I'm not going to fucking lip side it and I was, like, also, like, fuck a lip side. I'm going to front board this. And um, and then it, it was just ironic because I remember whether or not it was the best thing ever because I was on top of the drop and ramp, like, being like, fuck you, Carlino, you know? Like, I'm going to fucking do this because Rube's filmed spite. it. Rube's filmed yeah, it. And uh, so I was fueled by – that the ender of Get Real is fueled by Spite. I mean, I remember – I obviously
3: remember the shot. I just – yeah, I blocked out me not supporting your vision. <laughs> <laughs> Get a kid had a vision. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You know, looking back, I should have supported your creative vision. Maybe giving you <laughs> creative criticism. Uh, but instead, I was, you know, I was, I don't know why I said lip slide. See, that's, lip pro- slide,
2: it would have been whack. I so w- I wouldn't have made it though. Facts. See, I think yeah, I, I wouldn't I have made know. it. I have no idea we have why. The ender, we, wouldn't the yeah. we wouldn't have had an ender. We wouldn't have had an ender if you hadn't done I that. I have
3: no idea why I would have said lip slide. Okay. I was probably trying to be over director.
1: All right, buds. Let's talk bomb hole of the week. Let's talk about it. First, we're going to talk about Volcom's patented technology, ZipTech. What is that, Buzz? ZipTech allows you to basically turn your outerwear into a space suit. Okay, that sounds complicated. A one-piece suit. Is it complicated? It's not too complicated. It's actually pretty easy. There's a zipper in the powder skirt that zips to the top of your pants, making it a seamless situation where no snow is going to get in, keep the winter out, keep you out there longer, keep you dry, keep you warm.
2: Now I gotta ask you: Do any of Volcom's top pros use this?
1: All of them, I would say. I would, I would wager. I'd make a bet with you. What about women pros? Hang Haley Langland.
2: Okay, you think she's ragdolling, or you think she just lands all the time?
1: Well, she's getting it in the powder now, and uh, I would guarantee she's ragdolling. Right? Okay.
2: What about uh Gear
1: Bergam? The Tomahawk King. Oh yeah. Some is. people call him in Europe.
2: Well, I thought that. No was one Timmy calls R- him I that. I thought that was Timmy Ronan, but.
1: And Pat Moore, maybe yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Everybody King. falls is the facts, okay, right? Okay, so what kind of giveaway are we doing for the Tomahawk King out here?
1: What we want to see is your best bales. Last week we had a guy fall into a tent. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep them coming, right? And uh, post them on Instagram. <laughs> hashtag Volcom Bombproof At Volcom Snow. At the bomb hole. Let's see these And what's bails. the
2: hashtag one more time?
1: Hashtag Volcom Bombproof. You're going to get yourself some swag from both Volcom and the Bombhole. Let's see these bales.
2: All right. I think it's that time. It's time to talk Licky D. Buds is cracking can. Joko's got a little Licky D going. How's that thing going down? It's good, do Wow. Dude, do you dude in-
3: I really like um, the liquid death sparkling. Sometimes mm-hmm. I hit a little lime in there. Um,
1: I do that at home myself.
3: Funny story, when my mom saw me drinking it, she's like, what are you drinking? And I'm like, it's sparkling water. She's like, why does it look like that? And I'm like, it's it's really good sparkling water. And she drinks it. She's like, oh, it's sparkling water.
1: She <laughs> thought it was like I a saw uh, it mammoth. Just, some yeah, sort of alcohol drink.
3: Yeah, my mom just didn't believe that it was sparkling water because of the liquid death branding.
1: Did it murder her thirst?
2: Yeah, I think she was pleasantly surprised. Well, so so Joe, Joko's mom, uh, proud drinker of Licky D. Approved. Now, let's get into, uh, if, if people want to pick this thing up, they go to liquiddeath.com slash bomb What do they get, bud? They're going to get some koozies. Exactly. You're going to buy
1: this stuff anyways. You might as well just go to the website, do us a favor, do yourself a favor, stay hydrated, murder that thirst, get those koozies.
2: All right, let's get into the Wheel of Death. Here we go. Welcome to the Liquid Death.
0: Death, death, death. Spinning Wheel of Death.
3: <laughs> so, I think this is the section I'm the most worried about.
1: This one? Yeah. Make sure you give it a solid spin.
3: Yeah, I know. Some of them are like weak spins. Yeah. Like, do I really got to crank you it. Cranker. Am I not going to break it? No. Oh, that was...
1: Best spin yet. Best, best spin. Ever had. Yeah,
3: I've seen a lot of bad
1: spins.
2: Oh, wow.
3: Celebrity trivia. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Celebrity well.
1: trivia. The
2: other option was Seinfeld trivia. Oh, I got of all the box sets. So, we could do both. Yeah. I'd probably be better at Seinfeld trivia. Do a well, mix? So we're gonna do a mix. We're gonna do a
3: mix. Yeah. But I, I was just worried about shotgunning a beer that was in a microwave or something.
2: Oh. Yeah. No, we're good on that. So what we're gonna do, you landed on celebrity trivia, but we're gonna sprinkle in some Seinfeld. We'll do, do a two bird stoned at once. So I think you two. and two bird stoned. You and Buds um, should both have an answer. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. so it's like a competition? Yeah, it's going to be a competition. That's how okay. we're to do this We have to keep friendly competitions going. Okay. I mean, I've seen some sign. Do do I win Sorry, anything? Um, we could offer you a bottle of run through wall smelling salt if you want. Could I take a hat? Bur- yeah. Burgundy hat? <laughs> yeah, we you take, want we that can big burgundy? We got one right
1: right there on set. Yeah, yeah we got it. Right, let's do this for a hat. We'll do it
2: for a hat. Okay, right. got it. Okay. Um, all right. So there's there's basically four options, and then you guys each pick pick an option. I'm going to give um, Joe an opportunity to go first on this. Okay. Bud second. Okay.
3: okay. so and do okay, so it's a four four part. Okay, so A A B
2: or C D?
1: Uh yeah, it would be A through D. Okay. Yep. What if we wrote down our answers? Um
2: I think we'll just okay. do it. Let's just do it this way. Let's go. Which yeah. celebrity had to issue an apology after her cell phone was hacked and all of her celebrity friends' numbers were posted on the internet? A Anna Kornikova. B Christina Aguilera, C Britney Spears, D. Paris Hilton. Uh, I'm gonna go,
3: fully 100% guessing. So I have a one out of four chance. I'm going B.
2: Okay, buds. I'm gonna go Britney Spears. Uh, You guys are both incorrect on that. (laughs) The correct answer is Paris Hilton. I'm I'm not really up with uh, celebrity gossip. Okay, I got one more. Is this current or old? I got one more. Here we go. (laughs) This is uh, I don't know. I don't know. I found it on the internet. Okay. Uh, What celebrity made headlines in 1980 when he set himself on fire while freebasing cocaine? A. Richard Pryor. B, da- Rodney Dangerfield, C, Chevy Chase, or D, Eddie Murphy? I know this one. I'm going to go B. I'm going A. Buds is correct. Mm. All right. Yeah. All right, now we're going to go. That's a little out
1: of my
3: ballpark. We're
2: going to go Seinfeld on him. Do not remember when Richard Pryor? <laughs> I think that was before my time. I think
1: uh, he's the one who smoked the most crack out of that crew. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of <laughs> clued me in.
2: Jeez, all right, I'm behind. It, Seinfeld. Let's go. In the episode, Fuseli Jerry. Is that what it's called, Fuseli I Jerry? Know. I don't know. I think
1: I know this one. Uh, what <laughs>
2: does the move refer to? Oh, a a complex technique invented by Jerry. B the name of supposedly non-fat frozen yogurt shop. C the punchline to a joke Jerry makes in a stand-up routine. Or D a catchphrase uttering during the summer of George.
3: Wait, uh, what was the, the last That's move? That's the Fuseli Jerry. Yeah, but what was the the last? Uh, a catchphrase
2: D- uttered during the summer of George.
3: I think it was George had this thing that he was doing with girls and it was called the move. And he kept telling Jerry, do the move.
2: Did you do the move? So I'll go D.
1: See, I think it's D too. What happens then? It's actually A, oh. a oh.
2: complex sexual technique invented by Jerry. Okay. So it's Jerry with the move. Yeah, it was all right. uh, he had to move. All right, yeah. here we go. Let's, let's test this knowledge. Yeah. You got the box set. Your the creds going down. Rough. Your yeah, Craig's going down. The, the the candy that falls into Elaine's boyfriend Roy's open abdominal cavity during surgery is A a peppermint patty, B a Starburst, C an M&M, D a Junior Mint. Uh, junior Mint. Junior Mint. Just saw that. one. Oh, wow,
3: you okay. Yeah. Pop Holy. she was on the upper level, pop down. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I actually just saw it. Yeah. my chick watches these old ones all yeah. the time.
3: Buds is still up now. All right,
1: so Bud's is up.
2: Do you guys want to go celebrity or Seinfeld for the last one? Seinfeld's way. I think we're well better versed in Seinfeld. Okay. Uh, When Jerry dated an attractive woman whose names he couldn't remember, he told her her name rhymes with a part of the female anatomy, which is not one of Jerry and George's guesses for her name. Dolores Bovary Mulva. Uh, Which was not her name? Which was not one of the, yeah, names. Guesses? Well, not one of the guesses. I'll go B... Can you say him again? Dolores Bovary Mulva. See, I
1: remember Dolores, and I remember I'm with him on B. Yeah. Actually, Dolores.
2: Are you yeah. sure? Yeah, this this section's rough. Okay, well. These um, <laughs> pretzels
1: are making me thirsty.
2: All right. Well, looks like uh you guys didn't do that great. Yeah.
1: So I want a hat, I'll I'll gift it to you.
3: Oh, really? Thanks. Yeah, to you, to you got you got yourself a hat
2: here. Nice, dude.
3: Let's go hats. Dude, these things are fire.
1: We're going to ask you a Patreon question, but first, we want to say thank you for all our Patreon support. Yeah, we're going to throw an air horn at our Patreon members. We could not do this without you, and uh, we're so stoked to have you guys as part of our community. This is from Piss Pigeon.
2: Oh, he's a regular with the guest He's a reg.
1: As someone who is familiar with having a camera in their hands, I know that we filmers all have that one most memorable clip. Which one is yours and why?
3: So Piss Pigeon is a filmer. We know that, but mm-hmm. we don't know who he is.
2: Nope. Um it's also a Patreon member. Patreon member. Member of the bomb squad.
3: Dude, I think that Patreon stuff's sick. Allows you guys to do a lot. Of, they, Patreon does a lot of cool projects, you know, being a part of that. Most memorable clip. Um let me see. Okay. There was this, I think it was in In Color. I oh, no, maybe it wasn't get real. Devin Walsh did the switch back five off the cliff. Do you remember that? That get real. But uh, the
2: story. Oh, bah- is the diesel drop.
3: Yeah. The one in. Wh- in yeah. The- diesel
2: in br- drop. That was an in color, I think.
3: Yeah. So um, the reason why it's the most memorable clip, because I'd never met those guys before and we were out filming with our crew and Anthony Vitali, who's uh, who's the DC filmer at the time, they were setting up for this crazy drop and it was like off this cliff um, mm-hmm. kind of side court uh straight cliff down and then into a little pocket and then devin's up there is like patting it down and we just drive by and i was like anthony like do you need another angle you know and i just set up another angle just super random and um that no i think i think this didn't get real maybe yeah you might be right but um but that basically so i filmed that and then that got me the in with devin and Ika who ended up being an in color um, and just never meeting them. But I remember standing up there, and it was so big. It was about 50 foot straight down. And he only had to go maybe 20 feet out. But it was, you know, precision transition landing. Like, switch back five. And it was a cover of Transworld 2. It's got surface, shot a vertical, um, like the multi-sequence. I level. remember the photo. Dude, it was, I remember, like, sp- it was freezing cold. And I remember my palms just sweating.
2: like Mom's spaghetti situation. D- yeah, <laughs> like, I mean,
3: one, because, yeah, it's Devin Walsh. Devin? She, two, it was like this could go really good or really bad. And we were deep out there in the Rutherford, um, snowmobile zone. So that's, you know, I mean, there's, there's tons of memorable clips. That one just comes off the top of my head. Um, there's a funny one that you guys always bug me about is, uh, Jed Anderson when we were getting kicked out, um, in the beginning of his get real part. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> got to talk about that. Uh, the beginning of the get real part, we're, we're at this rail in upstate New York and that, was that first trip that we we're still talking about. And, um, this cop kicks us out, and Jed been trying this trick over and over, and uh, I just was filming the cop like all the skate guys do, and then I, like, run over, and I'm just, like, keep the camera rolling from when the cop kicks us out, and then Jed lands it next try in the whole clip. Um, so that one's pretty memorable. That That's was like, awesome.
1: You had already gotten kicked out by the cop. Well, yeah, and
3: he was, like, that right, one, last yeah, go. one more go, and then Jed jumps on. And it was, like, half-cab 50-50. To
2: this just, is it. We got it right here. Let's cue it up.
3: All right. Come back So we're oh my getting... gosh! <laughs> so I fall. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm trying to keep it rolling. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I cut out some other stuff in here. I was saying, and I just dubbed over the snow walking <laughs> because I sounded like an idiot. It's a brand new but he'd been trying this over and over.
1: Sure, how long? Um, Hours. Hour?
3: Yeah. Ooh. And then, yeah, this is that song that I was talking about. And that was the
1: last go. Cops there. Yeah, yeah.
3: Cops there. And uh, no other chance. Yeah, that was the song that I was talking about earlier with um, that I had to buy the, the record. And then we found out who owned the song. So also, side bar.
2: Together. Those yeah. are simpler times a half cap 50 back three on a down, a down bar like Jed would throw up in his mouth if that clip came out A little like bit of spittle that. in the mouth he, that's would, a he would throw up if he thought about doing that He would be yeah, he would be a little bit of light dry. heap. somebody brings it it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> but Sorry. With,
3: it's cool though. Like yeah, some tricks that you guys do you would throw up now But then it's cool mm. watching those videos and seeing the tricks that you'd still put in a part you Yeah, know? like that's that to me. That's the cool
1: stuff,
2: you know Yeah that's killer. Five years later, like ten years later, still legit.
1: Yeah, it still holds up. Another That's thing too,
2: really. talking about this time, it's an interesting when you really look at the the space uh, if you can put yourself in the shoes of this time, when you look at the the videos, you have Mac Dog, you have you know Tech Nine, you have a lot of these videos, Love Hate was out, um, Kids Know Productions, but there wasn't really a video that was following the the kind of real like studying of how to film snowboarding, almost like skateboarding, the way you guys were in the stairs with the fisheye, and it was, like, really, you know, a, it became, the fisheye became a craft. Like, being good with the lens became a craft. Um, before that, people did wheel the fisheye, and they were okay with it, but from from my perspective, that hadn't became really a thing, like, you know, lensmen, as we like to call them. And and you guys, I would say, you know, yourself, um, Justin Meyer, you know, I was filming with Rubes. There was, there was like, kind of, like, that small group of people that and and you know Hayden Wrench it did evolve and it got much bigger but you guys were the first kind of lensmen per se do you want to talk about yeah, kind of that, what where that came from and
3: I mean now, again just influenced by the guys at Transworld uh, skate you know uh John Jason Chris Ray um you know we bought those but those lenses we also couldn't afford before we were doing movies you know The century for 2000 yeah. bucks and then we dinged Nick Dirks dinged one of mine 800 bucks to fix the to lens fix it Ooh you know, and at the time, like 800 out of a budget when you only have, you got 15,000 travel for the whole year, 800, that's like, dude, that's a flight, you know, Gary uh, got a ding on one too, and they just become paperweights, you know, I used to have my receipts under it, I'm like, damn.
1: Expensive uh, paperweight right there. But yeah,
3: but yeah, I was 100% uh, influenced by the skate guys on that, and you know, like when I got the job at Transworld and they had done videos in the past, actually, like way before and then took a five-year break. Um, but when I came in there, that was my influence. And I was like, I, it needs to be at that level, that influence. You know, we they had five skaters, I think. You know, at the time, we put nine. But I still wanted to keep that vibe. Um, you know, things changed between these days and then the third video was in color. Like, I didn't do any of the voiceover. Like, Nick had, like, a little... Um, <laughs> quote in there on in these days and i did that because that's what the skate
2: guys did i don't even know what day of the week it is i just gotta go snowboarding yeah
3: exactly so like but that was like i was influenced by those guys and you know looking back on it i wouldn't have done that but you know i was like oh that's what they're doing but that's like anything so you're snowboarding your photography right you have the years where you're like adolescents you don't know and then i felt like in color i like really found like what i wanted Mm. not what everyone else wanted you know Okay, one another well, thing talking
1: about these sentry lenses, nothing I like better than watching them practice when there's no one oh, going yeah, the and you just yeah. see them like pull up their sleeves and just get ready and then just do the shot and they're moving. Mm-hmm. They just look funny out there. And I always wonder, like, what the layman thinks when they're watching this guy in the stairs so set doing these uh camera acrobatics. So it's, funny,
2: it is actually difficult. <laughs> heavy, too. I, in my head, I'm sick of filming, and then I'll like watch a fisheye clip and it's like. The guy's entire upper body is completely chopped. And you're just like, no, I just fucked that up. Yeah. yeah. There's a commitment get right. level.
3: There's a commitment level of like your head, your head being near the board as it's hanging over mm-hmm. the rail, you know, like your triple, your triple kink board slide on that thing. You mm-hmm. know, you went right over Rubes' lens, mm-hmm. full commitment being under it. Could have sliced if, his dog. Yeah. You, I mean, if you guys, you know, don't see it, the board is... Like knife sharp. Yeah, it looks on the like a tail. dagger up yeah, there. Yeah, two daggers on the tail and then a dagger on the nose and then you still have the edges. Mm-hmm. You know? Like where they get hit in the head with the board.
1: And it's- your camera with that lens on is heavy and you're you're gonna commit to like a hundred tries there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but and but that's what's cool too about filming with people with with the riders and when you have that that connection, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going in here, you know, I, I know they're gonna go over me. So it's cool when you can commit and like connect like that trust you know, yeah the that rider, rider yeah the rider can trust what i'm gonna do i trust what they're gonna do they go over my head and then you're just like oh yeah that's the
2: shot dude you know it's interesting though there is such a rider a filmer even photographer chemistry like yeah. i've had some some filmers i've worked with over the years and worked with is a shitty term but just went out with and uh it's like for whatever reason every time i go with them i i just like can't get a good clip. Like I've it's seen you like, do that. And then like, but with like buds or, you know, like Carlino or, you know, certain people like Meyer. I've had always had a great, I've always like, it's almost like you, you're like a good, like a, a good relationship with a film. It almost feels like a good luck charm for a writer. Sometimes it's kind of wild. Yeah. That's going to
1: know when to talk. Sometimes and mm-hmm. when not to talk and exactly. when to give them some, oh. like some, get them excited and when not to get them. You know, it's just got to know. Totally. You're, some guys don't know.
3: You're part therapist, yeah. part team manager, part homie. You know, and, and that I tell kids that all the time, like part of the job is being a good filmer. Part of the job is having good equipment and being on time and communicative, but part of the job is just being cool and people wanting to go on a 10 hour flight with you and then wanting to drive around in a car with you for 15 Mm -hmm. hours. Like that's the worst thing. If somebody's on the trip and you're just driving around looking for spots and you're just so annoyed by this person. Yeah. You don't
1: want to spend another minute with them. No.
3: Like, yeah, we've got some good trips. Yeah. Me, Me and Eastone. You know, we went to Russia, which was pretty Merman's crazy. Kid, in Mermans, We went above the uh, Arctic Circle on our jib trip. Um, but, you know, like you're just sitting in the car together with people, and if you're not having fun, it's it's not really worth doing, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. We had that paid van driver, too. That was Dude, a that first was for crazy. that. <laughs> Drive us around to look at jibs like a cert chauffeur.
3: It was because uh, nice. we, we were filming with Sage Kotzenberg for his project, and Nike had a connection in Russia, so they connected us with a driver in this, like, Pimp black Sprinter van. And the guy would just drive us around. But he was so particular. We'd get in and out with snowboards and stuff. And Zach Hale's, like, putting his board on the car, scratching it. And the guy was just freaking
1: out. He'd come out and dust up the ding, like, wash it and try to clean it. And Zach's just throwing his board around. (laughs) I
3: felt bad. Like, I totally told the guy, I was like, hey, if there's any damages, like, well, I'll pay for it, you know? Because... You know, I tell Chris I like to return things as uh, better, better, than the, better, better than better than than when they were borrowed, you know, and we're just destroying this guy's van. And there's nothing you can do on a rail trip. Like, it's salty, sandy. We're going in and out shovels, and the guy's like, well, give me the shovels. And I'm just like, dude, we got to go. And he's, like, trying to organize it in this perfect space. Yeah, we're van. always in a hurry. I felt bad. I just wish we would have rented a car.
1: Yeah. It's nice having a driver, though. There's dude. TVs in there. We could watch videos, get yeah. hyped. That was pimp.
2: All right, we got to take a quick break to talk to you guys about Manscaped. They are a supporter of the show. Uh, they have the lawnmower 4.0. They also got some body wash that we've been hitting like crazy. I keep it in the shower. We keep it in the sink here. They also have some ball wipes that I know that Carlino just used on his face. Yeah, I just hit the
1: ball <laughs> wipe on that
2: face. <laughs> <laughs> How I, was it?
1: I actually it's, used it on my balls this morning. Okay. But Does it work? Hopefully it, it wasn't the same one.
3: For clarity, there's individual wrapped. Um, Which wipe. is nice, right? Yeah. I just need a little refresh. <laughs> they, weren't,
1: yeah. they weren't pre-wiped. On
2: the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't
3: the same wipe. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't go from my balls to your face. Individual wipes, refresh,
2: had a good scent. I feel refreshed for part two of this podcast. Well, I, I also know that you use uh, a Manscaped lawnmower, right? Correct. I, I've purchased one. How was yeah. the, the experience with that thing?
3: Uh, it's So I was coming off previously a corded um, buzzer. You know, head, body, you know, keep everything trimmed. Oh, with a cord on it. Yeah, with a corded, like, plug-in. And this one's Game Changer. It's uh, USB-C, and it's just mobile, and actually just throw it in uh, my bag uh, when I travel. Travel with it. It's easy to travel. If you're gone for a month, you know, and I want to shave my head or something, boom,
2: you're good. So you go
3: bush and head. Yeah, full
1: body. Full body. Buzz, okay. Yeah. Well. You should try the weed whacker out too for the nose and the ears. Yeah, I
3: might use
2: that bomb hole code if you guys could hook me up. Yeah, if, you, if you use if you use promo code bombhole when you go to manscaped.com, you'll save how much? Uh, I believe I don't know how much. What's 20%? What, what's it's 20%, 20%. That's a, yeah. it's a huge discount. Actually, the holidays
1: coming up. Let's do this.
3: Yeah, when I actually got um my manscaped it, I actually threw in the um, it was like a scissors, a tweezers, nail trimmer, uh, little pack. And mm-hmm. I just keep that in my bag too. It's, pretty, trip, dude, it's it. pretty good deal. I think out the door, I
2: was like under a hundred bucks for you both. Got a, it's got a light on it too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. With that being said, I think we should transition into name that video part. Here we go. Okay, Name That Video part is presented by our friends over at Mammoth Mountain. They have one of the best early season parks. They usually turn on real quick. You get tons of fast park laps. The park crew there is amazing. In the mid midwinter, what do they got, buds?
1: In peak season, the Unbound Terrain Park, they have eight different parks, three different half-pipes, various abilities. So a guy like me can hit the little dogs, a guy like you can I know hit you're, those hogs. I know you're
2: a, a, a mini-pipe connoisseur, right? Love the mini-pipe. They should actually maybe change it to, to Bud's, Bud's Mini Pipe. Bud's Bistro? Bud's Bistro. Let's go.
3: I know, Joko, you spend some time in Mammy? Yep. Yeah, we'll do a Mammoth trip once or twice a year. Um, actually, my parents will come out from New York. We'll take my dad up there. He loves skiing there. And actually, Mammoth was one of the spots. I had my one of my very first shots in a video of Mark Riley in the main park. Mm-hmm. I think back five or something on that big main jump in there. And it made it into uh, I forgot it was a Canadian movie or something. Mm-hmm. He was on Academy at the time. A so, lot of a is lot, that lot the of the park
1: history. you can see from the lift? Ch- yeah. Chair six, yeah. main park. Yeah. I Love dog. watching people just go off under the lift. Yeah,
3: it's it's cool. I mean, imagine, like, a park you could film in, and then they have the mini parks, like, even just one trail over, and you just jib lines. So mm-hmm. I read the, the mini mini stuff.
2: There it is. Well, uh, Mammoth is giving away a four-pack of tickets. If you know the correct answer for Name That Video Part, Part 2, Joe's going to do his guest, listener's guest for yours. You get four tickets, so... You guys could potentially have an incredible little trip to Mammoth if you know what video part. Is we'll throw out.
1: in a little bomb horsewag too.
2: If I know the video part, do I get the four tickets?
1: Uh, I don't know, but let's give it to the uh, All right. To the uh, the peeps on this one. All right.
2: All right. How are you feeling as far as confidence levels 0 through 10 for naming um, that video part? Pre 2012, 10. Wow. Post 2012, a 2. All right, well, Justin Meyer helped me out with this one. Is like kind of. He said, you might need to give Joel a softball. Okay.
3: Yeah, if it's a softball, I feel good. Okay, here we go.
1: I thought we were getting harder. We'll see. We'll see.
3: Yeah. All right. Oh, easy. Nima Jalali in Neoproto, self-titled.
2: That's actually incorrect, but it's Nima Jalali in Some Kind of Life. Oh,
3: Some Kind of Life. All right. But got the fact yeah. that he
2: knew just off the... Yeah,
3: <laughs> that was when he was standing on top of the thing, ready to drop in. Mm-hmm. Uh, filmed by Ned Casual.
2: Wow, yep. jeez. Meyer yeah. actually filmed him throwing the snowball at the car in the intro. I found out as well. Oh, so, really? So uh, what we have here is a bomb dude. hole cooler. There's a, the the buttons on the top. There's top button, that, yeah. And uh, it's packed full of merch. Oh, barely get it open, dude. You I don't got even got need a hat. Bomb hole beanie. Bomb hole You got hats. two of them. We're we, dude, we're swimming in sick. those corduroy hats. So sick. give one to the significant other if you want or we have got, a backup. We got the mug in here too. Dude, this is all the sick stuff. We give yeah, we give the guests the good stuff.
3: Nice. Dude. Do you know where that you says.
2: can you can find uh, that mug buds? I do. Where at? Bombhole.com. That's absolutely correct.
3: Is the code JC20 should on we, Bombhole should, working?
2: <laughs> for this week, should we do a, a, a promo code for for Carlino and see how it does? Yeah, let's yeah, see. Let's see how it goes. What, do you want to do do you want to do a plug for your promo code on bombhole.com?
3: Yeah. Um if you guys go to bombhole for the next 7 days JC20. You'll receive 20% off of your order.
2: <laughs> this Let's guy's pretty good. Go. He's pretty good.
3: We we'll have to bring him on for some of these, some of these reads. Yeah. yeah. Joe right. Carlino brought to you by the uh, bomb bombhole
2: Joe Carlino promo code JC20. <laughs> <laughs> 20% off. All right. And for part two, if you guys know what this is, you have a chance to win a four-pack of tickets, some bombhole swag. And what you're gonna want to do is comment on Instagram on the photo of Joe Carlino, the thumbnail photo. That's where we pick our winner. And if you know it, um, comment on there for a chance to win. Here we go.
0: Because of all my pride.
2: Okay. Yep. Thank you, guys. That was a softball. For-
3: so, yeah, I think the, this week's uh, is... And uh, I think it was the shot where he's doing... And then he hits... At the end. Even the song repeats. But I think if you watched it, I think that's
2: that actual verse. I think we should maybe pivot into a topic that is uh, fascinating. We, You did the Nike video. Nike Never Not. And that, from what I understand, is probably one of the biggest snowboard videos ever made. Budget wise. And um, it seemed like it was just a whole nother caliber of snowboard videos are down here and then the Nike video is just on this other playing field. And I know you had a huge part to do with that. First of all, what was the budget for that movie?
3: Okay, so just give you the number and then we can work backwards. So when we actually did the movie, it they spent one point two million uh, from start to finish. Now you want me to dive into yeah. what that is? How okay. and where it went. Okay. So I mean even a, a little farther back, the year before was supposed to be the video and it was myself when they asked me to do the movie, it was myself, Brad Kramer, and Justin Hosnick. So they asked me, that was when I was doing videograph stuff, and I was like, okay, I can't turn this down, you know. Like, it was good pay for sure. I think at first they offered like 70 grand or something, you know, which as a filmer, that's really good, especially yep. in 2015, right, I believe, 2014. I was like, yeah, 70 grand, shit, to, to make a movie and work for Nike. I was like, I'm in. We filmed for a month or two. And at this point, Kramer's on board, Hosnick's on board. And um, in January, they're like, go back to Portland, have a meeting with Brian Craig Hill, who was running Nike SB at the time. And he's like, hey, uh, we're not going to do the movie this year. And I'm like, I just like heart sank. He's like, don't don't worry, you're going to get paid. Everyone's going to get paid. And I was like, okay. He's like, what we want to do is with the Olympics coming up, we can get a lot more money from global Nike and all the different geographies, Asia, South America. Everyone can give extra money to make a bigger movie. I was like, okay. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how the 1.2 million comes into play. Um, with that, we had to pay for all the riders travel, which was contractual. If they did anything for Nike, any person on the team who went on a movie trip, we had to pay for that out of the movie budget, not a travel budget. So that adds up a lot. Um, Java Fernandez at the time was the marketing and he did online stuff for Nike. So he spent a ton on pushing that. And then the premieres and there were global premieres that happened at the same time, same day, Hollywood, and then in Europe. So there's a lot of money that goes involved in it. It's like, I didn't get rich on it. You know what I mean? Like nobody got rich. It was just so many line items, you know, I mean, music alone, probably close to a hundred thousand for one year of rights, which is ridiculous because everything leading up to that you know trans world was thirty thousand was our budget you know mm-hmm. so you know there was that's a uh, rolling Stones song in nicholas's part that, that we talked about earlier from jed into nicholas and yeah. that was like 12 grand for one year and um uh what else did we
2: have um black rob like whoa justin benny that one yeah. sticks out to me
3: yeah yeah that that one was actually pretty easy that one mm-hmm. cleared easy A uh, credit song um we used uh john lennon which was cool. And that I mean, it can't be cheap. Yeah, it can't be cheap. Yoko Ono signed off on that herself, which was pretty cool. And that's actually cleared in two weeks. Yoko Ono signed it and she was down. That's cool. Um, one, one of the biggest headaches was Gigi's part. Um, and it ended up being a song, which sucks. That was Artos' song in a skate video. But what happened was we were trying to get Metallica and we had a fade to black we had to edited. It was so sick. Metallica just wasn't down. You know, they were partnering with Vans a little bit at the time and Pat Moore. You know, they did like a Metallica shoe or boot or something. They just weren't down no matter what we threw at them. I think 20, maybe 25 was just like, give us the song. You know, fade to black was the end the movie, you know. And uh, it sucks. Like a couple years later, Niger used it mm-hmm. in like a DC part. And I'm pretty sure the same person cleared it. But just Metallica was just down for DC for some reason instead of Nike. No way. That was a bummer, um, you know, and I, we had this, we got Gigi's song cleared and then I we totally figured out that it was Arto's, but there was no going back, like, the amount of people that internally, like, I had to like the song, Gigi had to be okay with it, Dangler was editing too, he had to be cool with it, and then you had to run it up the chain at Nike and it was just like, once it's cleared, like, there's not enough time, you know, and then if you find another song, then get rights to it, so. That's like the one bummer that you know not everyone cares and knows that the song was used, but I, I don't. It was like malicious, you know. It wasn't like watching Artos part and I was like, "Yeah, oh, let's
2: use it in Gigi's." It was full like I heard. Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, I heard people. A lot of people were like flying around first class and stuff. Maybe early Nike days. I heard that too. Yeah.
3: yeah, well, that's like the team stuff for sure, not movie. Not movie. You know, like that's what's crazy. Like we. Um, Benny posted a photo when we were filming and we had six of us in a hotel in Calgary mm. and, uh, the same week it was all the team was in uh, a due tour and they had a hundred thousand dollar house that was, they're spending 10 grand a night. And, uh, it was funny because there was a team photo of the contest guys and then me, Benny, Austin, and Jed all in one hotel room. Wow. But it's just, it just cost of, of doing stuff. It's like, yeah, where does the money go? What about you know? heli budget? That yeah, we dropped in. Yeah, we dropped in on Alaska. I think we we spent a hundred thousand in one month in Alaska on just the heli, Mm -hmm. and we rented uh, three apartments there. We had two crews, so that was one hundred and fifty grand. Probably, yeah, a big. You know what I mean? In a month, yeah. You know, and then you have other filmer salaries. We had the pirates guys in uh, in Innsbruck. They were filming with Nico and Gigi a bunch. So that was another salary travel.
2: Oh, you know it's also interesting to think about from your perspective though it seems like as you as you kind of evolved as a filmmaker, you you started you were kind of working for yourself. then maybe within color, you're managing a couple of people. and then probably with Nike, you probably had more people under you. you You seem like you got into the art of managing a lot of people in that process, kind of really honed in on that, right?
3: Yeah. And that's, you know, part of the job in life as well. Like whether you're making a movie, you're doing graphic design, or you're working here with your team, you know, you guys have a bunch of people like managing people, expectations, creative criticism, that goes a long way. Um, Going back to uh, the people who inspire me was the guy at Nike Riley poor. He was the internal project manager. He is, Actually, one of the most inspiring people I know, he he had a neck injury and became paralyzed from the chest down. And he went to work every day. And he used to make movies. He used to make ski videos. So he knew what we were doing. But he was my guy internally grinding for us, getting budget. Like, oh, these guys need a park shoot. Let's get them the money. They need the heli budget. Get them the money. And he would get driven, picked up from his house every day. And he still, he did it, you know worked at nike for six years or something every day in a wheelchair back home mm-hmm. back home and i'm like you know what if like riley's doing this like 12 hours a day like i can be out in the field filming you know that was a, re- a really big inspiration um for me <laughs> getting choked up he works super hard It's it cool. crazy yeah it's yeah. crazy um but uh but yeah like that number is big for sure but it goes like
1: is that the movie they had the heli in iceland um, were they jumping a roof cap? Was I that thought different? that was a drone. Oh, that was just a drone. Oh, a drone. Yeah, okay. yeah, that was the a Heldor shot. Yeah, oh, exactly. Right. Were you there for I that? I thought Benny no. had a heli in the streets somewhere. That was that early was old, Nike. Ads. Yeah, that ah, was okay. a,
3: Original, um, original Nike ad Colbert shot everything ah, from the heli from the heli. You know, yeah. I mean, man, dude, I heard crazy stories about first class flights. Like Austin told me a story. His first trip with Nike, he in his contract, he had to fly first class, and it was like twelve grand, ten grand. You know from LA to, to New Zealand, but like, yes, like looking back, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of money and you waste money, but it's a, it's a write off for for them, you know, it's like expenses and, and they, they want to treat everyone right. You know, like Jed got on Nike before the movie, which was great. He went from air blaster to Nike, you know, and Jed was able to buy a house. I was able to buy a house, you know, after working for them for two years, you know, I can't complain about that stuff. Like, you know, um, and they treated everyone so well and, I I've learned a lot from everyone that worked there, especially managing people, um, the way you speak to people and the way you work together. Um, it's It was like nothing, no group I've ever worked with. Um, just giving me the opportunities, like you have a vision, cool, let's do it. You know, like what do you need? And it's kind of, you know, how I was with the riders, but, um, and then somebody finally did that for me. You know, like, what do you need? Like, is it cameras? Is it lenses? Is it the helicopter? Is it the song, you know? And that was, like, probably one of the coolest experiences. And I'm glad that was, like, my last real big snowboard video. You know, I still shot with Sage, and we did the the Sage and Haldor videos together, and that was great. But, you know, to be the last video I worked on, I don't know if I could top that, you know?
1: That budget has to be right up there with That's It That's All, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. I I think think I heard a similar number.
3: Yeah, I think that's... The Travis Rice stuff is probably the only one that I've heard that compares, you that know. Compares. I've, I've heard vans spend a ton of money, but like I said, we had that line item of paying for everyone's travel. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you have a park shoot with five riders and you're sending, we we all went to Whistler, you know, sending guys from Europe to Whistler, you know, like you're probably at the end of the day spending 30 grand for one shoot on travel, mm-hmm. you know, and then we had to pay for the park to be built. We had to pay for the heli we shot out of. You know, it's just like it adds up. It adds up. It's just different than going on a rail trip. Yeah. Well, I
2: want to you run know? it back to a thing I'm personally interested in. When <clears throat> going back to managing people, what particular things, you know, I know they offered you resources, but what particular things did they teach you about managing humans? Like what's your takeaway?
3: Um, I don't know if I, like there's like, you know, a saying or anything I could pinpoint. I think it was just the way, the creative criticism and the motivation came to me. Like, for example, say I use a song that I liked and the writer liked, but then, you know, there's this other stakeholder in the office that doesn't like it. Yes, they shouldn't really be picking on it because they weren't even there, you know, like they're, but the way they would say it to me, I was like, I get it. I understand maybe this song doesn't flow for you and you're not interested in this band. But just the way they would say it, I would accept it a lot more then like that song sucks or change the song. It was in a way that's like, I under I see your vision and I see where you're going with this, but you know, it's not really working um, in my mind. I, I maybe that's a bad example, but
1: like for the big, big picture sure start working you know
3: there. i mean that that's the hardest about our music is so yeah. hard you know and you're not like, gonna please everybody with never that. gonna please anyone and then that's what's so difficult about it but the way they would bring it up to me was like almost motivating like i could find something better and a lot of times i did i didn't settle on it you know or mm-hmm. maybe they were pushing me maybe that was it maybe it was too obvious I, I stopped on an obvious choice maybe and that's the way they were doing mm-hmm. um so just things like that and i've taken that really far um you know what else would they
2: teach me? I know you said something when we were driving yesterday about how they were like extremely positive. Like they gave yeah. you, they gave you a lot of positive reinforcement.
3: That's exactly it. You know, like, um, you know, sitting in, um, uh, other things I learned actually was like the way they had to lobby for budget, you know, internally. Um, so I'd have to do, you know, sizzle cuts and they shop that around and get other people on board and get other people stoked on it. Um, it, it's, you know, a lot of, this big brand stuff becomes a game, you know, a little bit internally, you know, Red Bull stuff, you know, is tough. Sometimes there's tons of stakeholders, you know, you have the one producer and then the producer has to answer to his five bosses, you know, and, and you're trying to make everyone happy. So I think all that Nike stuff really prepped me for the, for working for bigger brands now outside of snowboarding, you know, whether it be home and garden um, commercial or music video or fashion or something. Um, I'm so much more open to feedback and I don't take it as like a spite on me.
1: You don't take it personal, right?
3: Exactly. And that's kind of it. It's just like, it's it's not a personal thing that I did something bad. It's it's just like, this isn't working. Let's try and make it better.
1: Do you run into people that just want to leave their mark on the video? So they're trying to make changes.
3: Unfortunately, that does happen for sure. And I, you know, sometimes I see that in, in a person in, well, in a project that nobody's talking about. Um, you have one contact and then all of a sudden you hear there's five other people who give ideas and which is sometimes flattering. Cause maybe it means that the project is getting better and people want to be a part of it where at first they didn't think anything of it. So I, I do see that and, and it's just part of the game. You know, mm-hmm. it's fine now. Like um, all the things that I've learned over the years from going back to these days and caring super hard, you know, like now I have to use music. That's royalty free. And yeah, it's right. just like, <laughs> yeah, you I, got what you got. Like <laughs> you guys can make a beat. Uh, like a beat with your hands Probably that's better Than some stuff I use You know <laughs>
2: If you ever want to Hit us up I yeah. mean, Yeah Bud's is pretty good yeah, He does so. He also does do uh, Like Ra- Rastafari Like kind of reggae, yeah. reggaeton stuff Totally so, You ever need a song A track We got the recording studio yeah, we got, here. We can record it yeah. In the booth We so can so send you some stuff Yeah
3: so I mean I've definitely like Been through the ringer Of the cool song And that's a, another Cool thing about The Nike video Using those songs Like Rolling Stones John Lennon all that stuff, you know, David Bowie in the past. David Bowie was super cool. He would sign off on all of the songs we himself. used for Transworld, yeah. yeah That's he, heavy. Yeah, he, he owns everything. So he, he owns his own estate.
2: That's yeah, sick. He signs it. Um, hey, so one thing to change gears, too, kind of along the lines of what we're talking about, but when I look at where you've come from these days, snowboard-specific projects, things like that, now you seem to have structured yourself where you, you just mentioned you work for Home and Garden. You do videos, like, of a guy... Building a fence or something like that, but you still do snowboarding. Can you kind of explain, like, how, how those two passions collide or maybe one's more of a job or how you've evolved in your filmmaking?
3: Yeah, I mean, dude, like, straight up doing stuff outside of snowboarding, it pays a lot better. You know what I mean? That's kind of a given, you know? So home and garden, you know, shooting how to build a fence video or something – It's not the sickest, but I build that fences. So me and Chip built a fence in our house. And I'm like, so doing a video how-to, I'm like, yeah, it's actually not that bad at this point in my life. But it just pays, (laughs) but it pays, it pays stupid money. You know what I mean? Like three times, four times what you'd get in a day to shoot a snowboard video, you know? To build a
1: fence video. Yeah.
3: And the same thing, though. I got to get the voiceover. I got to get the cut shots. Let me get the detail shots. Slow-mo getting that screw in you know i didn't you know what i mean like he slipped on the drill like that's like coming off early
0: yeah
3: so but having those having those projects where you can make the same amount of money in two days that i would in a month of filming snowboarding now like like i was saying like yeah go let's go snowboarding and it's almost more fun you know or shooting with some of the moto guys and they're just like yo come out for the day they have me out i do a little moto in the morning and the sun gets cool and then i'll film some sunset stuff and and, and uh, just give them the footage so it's just like whatever you know so yeah it, it all comes full circle you That's know what cool. i mean it's like it's like when i used to do the bear videos for a hundred bucks you know so
2: yeah and then then you can you can go film the like the remap of the screw in and then take that money and go actually do what you want and do what you love with it which is you know, film snowboarding, film moto. And that's cool to not be so close-minded and evolve as, as you get, you know, as you, you should evolve. You shouldn't stay yeah. in the same exact space you've always wanted. Yeah, to. and
3: if, you know, I was lucky two years ago. I worked on the Burton One World movie. And those guys were super cool with, uh, and I shot all the rail stuff with, with that with that crew. And the Burton team was really down with, okay, it's day day one to day 15. That's my window for Burton. And it never leaked over. And that's the hard part with film crews. You know, you go on a trip and sometimes like, let's stay another week, let's stay another week. Let's go here. But the Burton guys were like, cool. Like we'll get this amount of days. First to the 15th, you're filming with Burton guys in the streets and we made it work. Um, And that was really cool. Um, I just can't go the endless trip anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. like I can't go for a month and just sit in a hotel and try and shoot three spots a day or two spots a day. Like it's really cool. And I'm happy I did it. And it, I've learned so much, like one man band, I can, you know, do everything. You can do audio, you can film, you can drive the truck. Like you're a producer, you're, you're everything, your craft services, you know, on all these other shoots. Now you have somebody doing all this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, but you learn that in the streets, uh, which is, which is awesome. So I would never take any of that away. It's just, I just can't justify going on a rail trip for a month and being in a hotel, you know, 30 days, man, like there's no way they're going to pay you what, what, what it's worth at this point and also you know? you're
2: standing in negative 20 in calgary yeah negative 30 and if you can do that you can fucking go to california and film a guy screw it dude that's, uh, that's and that's drill, drill jump, something into drill a fence. Screw it i eventually. even found it with moto it was
3: so much easier like you drive to the track and i park here and the supercross track is five feet away and you're just in shorts and a shirt and it's awesome but it's just something totally different you know what i mean like Like filming something different, I think is just exciting. Whether it's a fence video, it's freestyle, you know, I don't know. I've, I've always just wanted to do something more and more and more, you know, and that was actually a reason I left trans world after in color was, uh, Evan got let go at the time. So nobody was running the
1: website. Evan Lefebvre.
3: Evan Lefebvre. Yeah. Yeah. He got let go and went to monster and, uh, I threw out to Annie and Nick and I was like, Hey, like, I want to do the website stuff and, do uh do the movies and they were just like uh like you know just focus on the movies you know just do your thing and, and I wasn't into that I always wanted to do more and more and more I didn't want to just make another movie and try and win video of the year progression so that's why I ended up leaving and partnering with Justin Meyer for Video Grass. and we did the whole website and we had eight filmers and it was a video every day of the week because I always wanted to do something more mm-hmm. you know still to this day you know I mean I definitely like taking it a lot easier now you know but um but it's cool having these like goals you know mm-hmm.
2: Another thing a lot of people don't know about you is your big uh, human optimization guy with your whoop. He's got one of these whoops. and <clears throat> what's a whoop? Explain Explain your whole deal with the whoop.
3: Uh, so whoop is like a recovery tracker. I guess you could uh, you call it. and um, so I wear it, it's here. You can wear it on your wrist or your bicep. And yeah, just I mean it gives you your strain for the day. It gives you, you know, your resting heart rates, all this stuff. But the most important thing, what's different than like, say, a Fitbit or something or Apple Watch, it's it's all about your recovery. So you look at it in the morning and you see how well you slept, how recovered your body is, where your heart rate is. It even does respiratory rate, like how many breaths per minute you're doing every day. Um, that's really important, especially in this day and, day and age. in COVID uh, gives you a baseline. And then if it spikes up, it's potentially you're getting COVID and you don't even notice like two or three breaths a, a minute. You don't even really notice the difference, but on your chart, it's a huge spike. Um, but anyways, going like with that, it's just eating, drinking, resting. It's so important. It's, the, it's so crazy. I can't believe what two alcohol drinks do to my heart rate. It's 10, 10 beats up from a 50 or 55 on average. And I go up to 65, maybe 70, for just two alcohol drinks. Um, and then that lasts like, in. Um, and it's not like a giant thing, but I, I don't have enough time to like, <coughs> I don't have enough time and to not like be able to like, I want to go ride today. Today's my day off. I want to go ride. You know, it's like being hung over, having drinks or eating the wrong food. You know, it's weird. I'm not like crazy. Like I'll still pizza. We, we had, uh, we had custard the other night, yeah. you know, like I'm not crazy about it, but it's really cool to, to see on paper what you feel every morning. What about, you said something about water that I thought was fascinating. Oh, yeah, I mean, hydration is the, the biggest thing for recovery and your heart rate. You know, if you're dehydrated, you see that um, in your heart rate, you see that in your recovery. If you drink a gallon of water, like I can almost guarantee you'll be, you know, 65 to 75 or 100% recovered each day.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so when are times when you've seen that your heart rate's fully recovered? And when are times when you've seen where you're like fucking strained?
3: Yeah, so stress, stress is a giant um, problem for me.
2: I guess yeah. all through
3: the podcast, uh, I was talking about stress, but on your recovery, um, you can really see stress. A bad night's sleep, you're in the red, which means, you know, it's either your heart rate's up or you just didn't get enough sleep recommended. But recently, I went back to my parents' house in New York. Um, I had no work for the week. It was went for my sister's birthday. All I was doing was hanging out with my family. And every night, I was um, in the green, recovered, and 100% sleep because I had zero stress. I didn't have to, like sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, I got this and this to do tomorrow. So I've been working on all these techniques of like, write a list down before I go to bed of what I'm doing the next day. Um, Because what happens is when I have a list, when I have these things in my head, these four things I need to do, whether it's an oil change and edit or paying somebody or whatever, you almost hold on to it all night. And like when you wake up, you're like, okay, those three things. And then you go back to sleep and you're like, okay, don't forget those three things. So I'm now I'm writing down everything, go to sleep, blank canvas in my head and it really really helps um but it's wild to see on paper man like what sleep does like you know if you get a lot of sleep you the amount you need goes down which is cool and it says it all in the app you know if you're getting eight hours nine hours the next day it might be like you only need six tonight to hit green mm-hmm. but when you're at six you know seven hours five hours it's like you need nine to catch up
2: mm-hmm Look at it on a more of a cumulative scale over the course of a week, yep. as opposed to just night by night basis. Yeah,
3: it's not like there's no one number. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it
2: can tell by your heart rate how yep. much you're sleeping.
3: Heart rate, uh, yeah, yeah, heart rate, and it gives you your REM. It gives you all these different, um, uh, these different markers of which sleep you're in, light sleep. What does awake. that thing
2: get up to when you ride moto?
3: Dude, we rode Moto up in the altitude here, and I hit 199 heart rate the other day. Which, you also give it a give and take, like, because it it shakes, you know? Mm. So, they call that noise, like, when it shakes on your arm, and then, because it has a red light. It's like the Apple Watch, you know? It has a a light that shines in. Um, But, yeah, it's just a strap, you know? Mm -hmm. And you charge it on. You never take it off. I haven't taken this off in two years. Really? Yeah, you have a battery pack, and you slide it on. Is it comfortable? Um, Yeah, you, you don't even feel it.
2: See, you got a promo code from whoop or what? Yeah, Um, whoop. Whoop. You can do uh promo code JC20. That's
3: it, (laughs) yeah. That's it.
2: That hasn't come off in two years,
3: yeah. Well, I switch, I'll put on my wrist, switch it, you know, so I don't get like a rash or something.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, um, but yeah,
3: they just came out with a new one that's gonna measure uh, your blood oxygen level. Wow, so when you go up and down in elevation, you'll see uh, where that's so. So that one's coming. What's something
1: like this cost a gentleman like me?
3: Uh, so if you use the, como, uh, the promo promo, co- co- <laughs> the promo code uh, JC50. Um We're talking JC50? Yeah, just oh, he's,
2: got a, he's got 50%. Yeah, no,
3: I'm just joking. Everybody's watching. <laughs> I'm just joking on the promo code. I don't have any promo code. But I've done some work with them, um, and that's why I, I, I learned about it, and uh, they hooked me up with it. But you actually can just do monthly subscription. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to They get the you
1: monthly, huh? Yeah, yeah. So you do, I'd like to know what my sleep pattern is. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I don't really have a promo code, just so you guys know. And um, But, yeah, I, I do some work for them. I shot a really cool video with Neen Williams, the skateboarder. Oh, yep. Um, he actually been using it for the last few years, um, and uh, his his video is so cool. Maybe I, mean, I could send it to you guys. Mm-hmm. But just talking about getting off alcohol and how using the whoop helped him. Uh, with that and then his training for skateboarding i don't know if you follow anyone yeah. follows on my instagram he's super into training i
2: surprised chris doesn't have one of these yeah he's um, he's like a fitness person like a legitimate fitness yeah dude. he
3: eats super well and like he's all about recovery i'm just blown away some days like when these guys are um recovered and i see what they're doing in the gym and i'm like dude i but it's all about sleep i just sleep i have a really really bad at sleep Me um too. i was filming actually with a super bike racer um this year, and he fell in the race. This is, you know, super bike road racing, you know. He crashed, broke his elbow, and he posted his WHOOP score the next day, and it was at a 1%. It was the lowest I'd ever seen. And so your body re- understands, like, you're going through something, you know.
2: That's wild. Uh, that's interesting. that's a good way to transition to, you know, you come from snowboarding, but your real love, you know, you, you the second love you have is mountain biking, e-biking, and moto and you know a lot of us numbers are like oh god here we go with the dirt bike talk here we go right but uh i think you don't know, you're not really public about it and and i think it's it's really cool what you're doing like you should you should explain what you're doing next week um because nobody fucking knows that you do this kind of stuff you know from at least in the snowboarding world
3: um yeah so i don't know i'm i'm a you know some might call me a numbers guy i'm real technical yeah. about some stuff <laughs> yeah. um And Chris is probably uh, talking about, you know, like, suspension and stuff like this and tuning bikes and setting up bikes. And, um, you know, I used to race mountain bikes from when I was 15 to 18. Uh, Then I got into motocross, and and then snowboarding took over for 10 years and work and all that. But um, so next week, I'm actually helping with a motocross test, a shootout, they call it, uh, where you test all six, seven bikes um, together with Vital MX. And, um, yeah, it's cool. It's fun. It's like I'm one of six riders. I kind of check the mark of the – 30 plus, vet rider, you know, mid-speed. mid, mid speed. And, um, yeah, you ride all the bikes back-to-back for two days with the manufacturers. Like every brand, like May- Yamaha,
2: <coughs> yep. Suzuki, Kawasaki, yep. for so on and so forth.
3: Yeah, and, and all, like, the manufacturers are there. You do, you know, a few laps. You come in, you tell them what you're feeling. You're changing stuff. And then at the end of the day of the two days, all the test riders say, hey, I rode this bike in this setting. This was my favorite. This bike in this setting. And that's how you just get the top seven bikes of the year. Um, and they change every year. Um, it's a lot, the motocross bikes change a lot more than snowboards, you know, like they're constantly pushing and pushing. And and I know there are brands that are doing that, but maybe they're just not talked about as much in snowboarding. You know, it's not like, oh, we found this new technique of making this edge. So you go on ice better, which there is a serrated edges and all that, but it's not as much as motocross where they're like, we tweak the frame one degree and it is a night and day difference. And I don't feel that with snowboards in the snowboard industry. And There's I, a lot I, of
2: moving parts in a moto.
3: Yeah, but, but that's also why, why isn't snowboarding doing that?
2: I, can, I think the answer to that would be because it's, it's – uh, racing is very results-driven. It's very I'm faster than you. It's very performance-driven. Mm. We don't really race. There's an exception of a couple border crossers out there and but some you, bank slaloms. You don't think a good board,
3: just us going out and cruising, you're like, dude, this thing turns itself. True. You
1: talk to a board company, though. They're going to be telling you a lot different stuff. I think we could talk about it more. And
3: maybe it's because I'm at this age. I'm a totally different age than, obviously, when I was 20, Mm -hmm. and all I cared was about a graphic. Mm -hmm. But why aren't we using titanium hardware? You know, like, why hasn't the binding changed? Why aren't boots different? Ski boots are the same that I used when I was three years old, to an extent. But they're not, like, revolutionary, where I'm like, I want to jump in ski boots now because they still hurt. Like, crazy. Or I feel like my shins are going to snap off.
1: You would, think, yeah. you would you know? think by now ski boots would have figured out a less painful and heavy. Dude, and- Dude, my
3: dad just got a new pair of boots and got custom fitted, and I'm like, I couldn't tell if they were from 2010 or 2022. You That's know? crazy.
2: Well, the other thing, so, too, though, to talk, if you were to take a, a board designer and you are to sit him in this chair talk to you, he could go through. There, yeah, there are people that are pushing the envelope. I 100% it, it, agree. But I would say that the brand's, aren't telling the story of technology. They're not sure. Or maybe they are. There's there's, and how that information is conveyed is that there's a tech rep that goes to a shop and sits down in front of a bunch of employees who are like eating pizza and glazed over and not listening and tells yeah. you about a bunch of, uh, you know, if you st- go on their
1: website. So there's a lot of jargon Dude, a lot going on. I remember
3: we were in Japan on an Adidas trip and, uh, they had brought some of the new boots for the riders to try and, <laughs> They were trying on these boots, and they're like, "Ah, yeah, they're okay. and and you know, kind of this is my foot foot in the door really kind of getting into moto and testing and all that. Mm-hmm. I put on the boots, okay, so and this the riders were like, oh yeah, these are these are comfortable. These are good. I put on the boots and they had two left insoles in them. <laughs> and the rider didn't notice. didn't even notice. No. <laughs> and I just everything went out the window, and I was like, oh my gosh, but but it's at eighteen year old, a 22 year old snowboarder who wants a gym in the streets. Isn't looking for something performance like you're saying. Yeah. So I get it, but they're, not tech,
2: like they're yeah. not tech daddies like Joko. They're not tech
3: daddies, <laughs> and the, the, there's two insoles, <laughs> two left insoles in there. And I'm like, how do you not feel that?
1: He doesn't even know.
3: So, but it's just I don't know. Maybe there is a market that for that though, and and maybe your audience. Is more into tech data. Well, there's
1: definitely some super tech peeps. Well, yeah. I, I
2: know our audience all the time. Yeah, they they like love to talk to the talk, talk, to, to, the, talk yeah. to the listener or the guest more about their setup. Yeah. What's their setup? What do they ride? How do they set up their board? How do they we get a lot of feedback yeah. On yeah. Why and why do they, they do what yeah. they do? I,
3: I know Burton has like there's so many different boards and, and they're so technical. And they make those great basic charts. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what the the flying V and all that. But maybe, like you said, maybe there's a market for Really tech. Like, let's go deep in there, Mm -hmm. you know, in in what that means, you know, Uh, because maybe they're dumbing it down too much where people are like just looking at, because like mountain biking is really basic too. Like, most of the mountain bikers are set it and forget it. I meet guys on the trail and they're like, man, my, I don't know how you're doing that. My bike is so stiff. And I'm like, well, when was the last time you checked your air pressure? They're like, well, I bought the bike six months ago. And like, I check my air pressure every day before riding, tires, suspension, everything. Mm And some people do it six months at a time. So, so, some people don't want to touch it. I get yeah. it. But I think there is a market where we could be more technical with snowboards. Mm-hmm.
1: I talked to someone last night that owns a snowboard factory, and I was blown away with what he was telling me. Cool. So, yeah, maybe they just got to yeah, shine a light on it more. Or, yeah. or
3: throw it out there and let's see, see yeah. if it sticks. You know, um, Transworld used to do the board test, which was really cool. Mm. But, again, it was very basic, very layman's. Mm-hmm. Like, this board is good for this with a couple of pros and cons, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I don't know. It's worth a shot. Like yeah. maybe it'll bring a, a new audience in that's yep. more into being tech. I think rather. we're gonna we're gonna move into that space. There's, There's a lot of people reviews, that are so, so into the tech. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested if that takes off. You know. Um, yeah,
2: well, we'll get our shot. feedback from our from our listeners. With that being said, let's get into some hot takes. Okay, uh, hot take. Goat, Michael Jordan, if you will, of snowboarding, both male and female. So you got part two. I'm gonna do filmmaker. Film snowboarding yeah, filmmaker like a, goat,
3: um, goat of snowboarding. A uh, couple, we could go. Um, go Whitlake.
2: Wow, Ooh. great I'm answer! A, I was
3: always a big fan of his. Great um, answer.
2: Um, love that. That might actually even be the correct answer.
3: Never filmed with him ever. I've met him a few times. Um, some of my friends in Portland were friends with him, and I uh, heard this classic story, which maybe makes him more of a goat um this might not be true we could fact check but supposedly when he was at his peak m3 was trying to get him trying to sign him supposedly in one of his contracts he said i'll sign with you if on every friday you give me 12 warm donuts on my doorstep and supposedly that was true and they showed up every month
1: can't confirm or deny <laughs>
3: love that that's <laughs> that when we get them on the show yeah man a mystery um and then and they better be warm huh supposedly but you should fact check that but that was like that's an all-time like you want me sure you know this is what it's gonna take (laughs) you know um but yeah dude he's he's so cool his stuff in um in the kingpin videos was always like unreal and and you know seeing what he's doing now he's you know he's living a great life him and his wife traveling and stuff it's it's really cool to see it you know i just like i just get stoked After these people do this crazy stuff, like, they just have a happy life, Mm -hmm. you know, and then do what they enjoy. Man, I saw that double slide, the brainstorm, Mm -hmm. one into the water. Mm -hmm. Uh Dude, it is bonkers. Yeah. Like, I cannot believe that it was done. I heard Cold Naven tried that rail. Um, I
1: got busted or something. Yeah, did
3: you hear that? They put a gate at the bottom, and I heard he, like, tried to, like... 50 or board sign hop over like like the gate but it was like a raised gate
1: you know
0: mm-hmm. over smashed it yeah I heard yeah. something like that recently I out uh, a couple like years, two ago. years ago oh yeah. wow okay. yeah I think I Justin might have been
3: there yeah right? or maybe van's video or something but um dude it, it I was like looked I saw it from afar and I knew like I was a quarter mile away and I saw it down the way <laughs> and I had to walk over I walked through the water just to go look at it <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> and I just like I have a photo i'll send it to you yeah nuts Fem- um, female goat female you go. goat uh, off the top of my head, I'm gonna go Desiree. I, I she was always great at snowboarding, and you know, filmed with uh, with June and Peep show, and you know, I filmed a bunch of stuff with her for for a couple videos just randomly. But she lived at my house too, so I have recency bias
2: towards, towards Desiree.
3: Go. But she, yeah, she's great. You know, that's cool. Let's go, Desiree. Okay,
2: and then for filmmaker, who you got? Filmmaker. Man, I gotta go,
3: um, MacDog. I think you know. I don't know how you could not say MacDog. Watching, you know, first one of the first videos I ever bought was at Dark Side in Vermont. Technical difficulties. Oh, I it's remember. a classic. Yeah, yeah, that was the first one, and and um, the Nixon Jib Fest made me move to California. So that the Nixon Jib, Nixon Jib Fest video is sick. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people haven't seen it. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but it was a DVD about a jib event and they just made it so cool. You watched 20 minutes of just as one park and it was like the ultimate for me. So
1: that's cool.
2: Killer. Uh, if you go heliboarding with three people on this planet, who'd you go with?
3: Um, do I have to ride the same thing?
2: You just like, let's say you're going on a vacation and you're going heliboarding and you're just like having a good time. Okay. Let's, maybe, maybe we can go as far as saying no cameras. You're just getting yeah. shot. Yeah. Oh if, yeah. If it's no
3: cameras it's for fun. Let's do. Um, I'm gonna say Java Fernandez because he texted me last night about going to Chatter Creek. Nice, so that's one. That's and he's going on straight sure. vacation, which is kind of pimp. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go with uh, June Bongjan, my partner. Uh, she likes she likes boarding, and I always actually want I want to take her to Japan on a pow trip, but that's never happened, especially now with COVID. And then who the last classic? You it's hard because because I would pick snowboarders, but uh, you know, heavy claim, like in, in, you know, in the heli with Gigi and Nicholas and these guys, like that's who I, you would really pick. But I've been lucky enough to witness that stuff firsthand. Um, let's see, my dad, he would freak out in the heli. Yeah, he's but skis, huh? He used to be a helicopter pilot in uh, the national guard. And he would ne- probably not even get out of the heli, but that would be so sick. Mm-hmm. I actually want to take my dad and my sister in Whistler heliing like on low grade stuff. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Like, yeah. But, Let's do that.
2: it be killer. Yeah, your dad, we went and raced uh, Mammoth motocross this year, yep. and his dad was there. He got to meet him, and he's a freaking gem. He used to used to be a drag racer, right?
3: Yep, that's how I got into, like, motorsports and everything. Three years old, you know, at the track. or maybe even, I was even younger, but he had to sit on my dad's race cars. And um, <clears throat> at the drag strip in New Jersey, English Town, they had a famous motocross track, and something drew me to motocross, and I used to just want to go over there and watch as my dad is racing.
2: hmm so you've basically had the opportunity to film all the best snowboarders in the world for a long time and your kind of side passion is riding dirt bikes. And you filmed like some, some X Games Real Motos and some really cool video segments of people riding dirt bikes and you're kind of an outsider in that space coming from snowboarding. How how's that experience been kind of switching over into that world where you're a fan?
3: Uh it's it's cool. I mean, it's like it's like shooting snowboarding all over again, you know, meeting the top guys and all that. Um Actually, when I got into filming moto stuff with Vital MX, I actually went into it with the same mindset that I got hired at Transworld. And I was like, I'm going to work for Vital and I'm going to meet all the riders and meet the brands and then I'll move on. And that's almost exactly what's happened. You know, when you do all the bike tests, you meet all the manufacturers and you meet, you know, the Yoshimura guys and you meet the Honda guys and all that. Um, and, but working with the riders is cool. You know what I mean? Like you show up with Yoshimura, which is a famous, um, exhaust company for, for motorcycles. You show up with them and they're like, okay, cool. I'll I'll trust that they hired the right guy, you know, and being a part of that is really cool. Um, you know, I got to shoot with Jimmy Hill motocross guy for real moto, which was sweet. Um, I did Jed Anderson's real snow, but both times I haven't got a medal. like this guy. I do. I want a real, I wanted a real medal so bad. But um, you don't got a medal. Was that you don't have a medal? No, oh, no. I, w- a, I just want yeah. to just give me bronze. Not in moto. No, moto and snow. I didn't. I didn't get one. Just give me bronze. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I just want to hang them at bronze. You know. Um, but yeah, it's been really cool. Like uh, filming Supercross with the Honda guys um, is crazy. You know, it's it's sweet seeing people at the top of their sport. You know, Ken Roxon, Jet Lawrence. Like Jet is the whole most hilarious kid. He just won a championship this year, so it was cool, like, meeting him and, and working with those guys. And uh, I even got to shoot Rampage before I came here for this podcast, and it is just – it's unbelievable seeing this stuff. Like, And it's same with snowboarding. You know, Mark McMorris and Sage and these guys, at the top of their game, it's across, across all levels, I'm just – I'm still blown away, you know. Um, the Rampage stuff was on another level, man. Like, the cliffs they were hitting, I wouldn't jump off with my feet into water. You know, it was – They were front flipping and back flipping. Just psychos, huh? 50 feet to a transition landing, steep. Like, it was a six-inch difference between, like, too short and too long. And I just don't. It's another level, you know? Like, I I almost wish they did it every four years, like Olympics, because it's so gnarly. Like, I was full sweaty palms. Like, fisheye under these cliffs, sweating. And it was like it was cold out.
2: Were you, you moving know? the bad boy lens around, or yeah, you yeah just kinda, we went fisheye. we were going fish yeah. on the big yeah, cliffs.
3: Yeah, fisheye under the, the cliffs, cliffs. like huge. I, I got really lucky um, shooting Rampage for Red Bull, and all I had to do was go around and film angles that the broadcast wasn't getting. So just art. Oh, cool. It was cool, like super slow mo, tight of like tires going off the ground and uh, underneath, like backflips. Like yeah. On that looked clip. just mm. huge. Yeah, it was like kind of those highlight clips. What was this
1: weird thing on the gram I saw with a bike up on a building, roped up for rampage?
3: I think that was just like an ad or a um, showing how uh, deep a, sports, they can land. a sports science kind of piece. And um, Jackson Riddle, who's a Utah guy, um, rides for Red Bull, and yeah, so they they strapped him in on it, and then for some shots, and he's just like sitting on, it and they're like they go down stuff, you know, forty five degrees. But then he tried to air he also did a shot where he tried to air into the landing and he missed the landing and went like 50 feet to flat and like kind of rode out of it. And then they, they didn't finish the segment. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the clips on Instagram
1: it's, on that same thing he was roped up on.
3: Yeah. So he went off of that. Um, but then they put a landing in. Oh, they put a landing. Yeah, in. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cause there was no landing. Yeah, I was okay, like, yeah, dude, yeah, that looks yeah. like yeah. death. Yeah. It was into a landing, but he overshot it. But uh, Jackson's cool. Like that's another person I got to film with, um, on a Red Bull project. It was Luke Winkleman, Sean Fitzsimmons, Carson Storch and Jackson Riddle and we did a snowboard snowboarders going down and the bikers crossing and like do that for me was like kind of like pinnacle I almost don't yeah, don't tell them I would have done it for free <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <We'll> <laughs> throw that in the show notes yeah. the uh yeah the footage. that's a cool that's yeah. a cool little edit yeah, yeah. I, I um yeah I already got paid so I'm good but I would have done that one for free because that was like literally my passion for as an 18 year old yeah and a passion as a you know peak 25 year old and um and those riders obviously were in Let's insane, go. and they were crossing each other, and then I got to work with Clay Porter, who's like the top dog mountain bike filmer sick it was it was cool. Wellhausen was there shooting photos um yeah it was it was really fun a time. Good. Runky was a part of that too, yeah, right? yeah Runkie produced it so so I got the call on that, so shout out. that was like, uh, don't tell him I'll do it for free or I did it <laughs> on it so <laughs> i gotta
2: I gotta run it back to um I gotta run it back to these days. I know we we talked a lot about these days, but um i got I got a bit of a bone to pick here. I got a bit of a bone to pick. We gotta talk about this. And I've never actually talked about this to you. But um there's a situation in that movie where Louis has the best part in the movie. Clearly. It's, I was waiting the whole podcast for this to happen. It is the best part in the movie, undoubtedly. Like I'm sorry to everybody else. There's a lot of great parts. I love Jonas's footage. I love a lot of the footage. However, Louis has the best part in the movie. He's got the song that is fit for last part. Um, why does of parody not have ender in these days?
3: So at the time, so basically the way we edited the movies and most the videos, even up until the Nike video, even we did the same thing. You you edit a part solo, you know, like as a standalone chunk. And then we all kind of watch them and mix them and see what works, you know? And, um, you know, sad to say at the time, like no video had ever ended on a rail only part, like straight up, like that was like a conversation. And I also like to give all the riders equal opportunity. I'm not going to like say, Robbie Walker, you're not cool enough and you're not wearing tight pants. Like, you're not going to have the ender, right? It's like Robbie Walker did all four 1080s and that would never been done either. So it was a, and we all watched the parts, like, you know, me, Gary, Corey, Nick Hamilton, like we all watched them and we're just like, I don't know, this is, we think this fits. And it could go back to that thing, maybe I was too close to it, you know? Too close to the shots, you know, and looking back. Would you say that's
1: your
2: biggest regret in life or?
3: <laughs> no, but. Sounds
2: I, yeah. like it's
1: Chris's biggest regret <laughs> <Yeah>. for <before> you.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, it's not. Like, because I, I still believe, like, <laughs> I still believe, like, I like to give everyone the opportunity. And, and dude, we? nobody knew at the time Louis was going to be Louis. So you're you know? still
1: saying you made the so, best choice.
3: I mean, I st- wish it was the other way just so I wouldn't get texts. And calls about it from John Stark all the time. <laughs> he still hits you up. Yeah, he still asks about Love that it. all the time. What
2: about? I mean, I feel like I've I've lost sleep over it. I know Hava's lost in sleep over it. Um, you know, it just feels like it feels like a, you know every everybody has to like like people people mess up in life. Okay, <laughs> people make huge, massive, unforgivable mistakes in life, and it's like that just might have to be one of them. You know, and you got to live with it. You I might, mean. Have you had to like but if do you therapy watch, to learn to live with that? If or? you watch the song,
3: it has like a weird ending on the song on Louis's part, and Robbie's has this nice like bang at the end, like a like the curtains drop. That was one thing I still remember to this day. This if you watch Louis's, the way the song it almost like fades out. It's kind of like, ah. and then like Robbie's is like bang, close the door.
1: And this is pretty early so in the week's part, right? Or, or in his, his uh, first career. career, p- oh, first so,
3: part
2: besides bandwagon. So
1: I've learned that sometimes you don't want to give them last part too early.
2: You oh, might have been helping they get fed out. too quick. Yeah, you know, you kept him hungry. He might he be responsible
1: hungry. for yeah. his career going yeah, off the way it went.
3: But, but also, like I, I was telling you, you know, in same like photography and your snowboarding over the years, you really hone in what you want versus what other people want. You know, and that's where I felt in color was more what I've. Was in my head Where the other ones I'm like like cool, Let's do the graphics this way Or put this guy last
2: Or put this guy first You mm-hmm. know
1: um, Did Louis have first part?
2: Uh, Louis had second to last Dirk had so, opener So for me Like I would say It's like It's not like It's not that I'm I would Like some people might say Like it's like I'm not upset I'm just disappointed mm-hmm. For me I'm upset and disappointed <laughs> I'm both um,
1: I kind of see where he's coming from
2: You know yeah. oh, Me? Him yeah. Oh yeah Is his first part Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. You got
1: Nick Hamilton over your shoulder. I guess
2: that's, they're part of the problem, too, huh? Yeah. There's other people to, other to blame? People yeah, to blame. I mean,
3: it, I, it wasn't my sole decision, so that's why I don't feel as bad, and that's okay. why I don't really have an answer. So there's it, other
2: people that we can we can kind of point blame at? Yeah, it's a collective. Okay, it's so. It's like,
3: we collectively we should all make agree. a Venn diagram. And, 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 yeah, and we, I can't. To find mm, out who I really is. I don't remember if Corey or Gary were like, oh, this should be under and I argued back or anything i don't remember i but va- like i'd like to know that i think we should yeah. do like
2: a netflix special, special kind of studying exactly how this like decision is science verse, where it went wrong yeah
3: yeah science versus the streets
2: yeah science versus the streets exactly maybe we yeah. could do a piece on it yeah an interview all have, the people involved yeah interview each party each
3: because th- i maybe uh, that could have been one of those things i blocked out the bad memory
2: it's like a trauma situation
3: yeah, so i don't really remember what happened but I, I, I d- I do remember I always wanted everyone to be involved like I wanted the group to be like oh yeah we like this movie mm-hmm. you know and it wasn't ever like Joe made this decision and it's my way like so so I, I know a bunch of people watched it and I know we were all like this feels good like is it the best maybe not like because nothing's ever gonna be the best I guess you know but that's that's actually Who's got the producers credit so, on that so I don't think we ever did that it was just like filmed by Joe. Corey and Gary edited by Joe Gary, You know, I always want everyone to have like equal, like partner. Like, so they all had like skin in the game. You know, like, you know, Dangler with uh with Never Not. He like filmed and edited like we edited together because you want those you want everyone to be like into it. You know, not just like I'm gonna film you. Here's a hard drive. I'm gonna go surfing. Yeah, I always thought you made the best projects that way.
2: Yeah, I agree. So going back to the document, the Netflix documentary about the um who made who picked Luif. I'm pic- I'm picturing like uh, interviews in a dark room, um, kind of like with like maybe dubbed over voices for people that are like a not like kind of like maybe some anonymous um, kind of situation the there like where blurry pe- face, blurry face, yeah, yeah mm. blurry face, kind of, you know, people that don't want to actually be be seen, you know, for this. So,
3: yeah, we should. Yeah,
1: I want to see a wall with uh, pins in it and rope. Going from photos to faces mm-hmm. and decisions yeah. made. And <laughs> it's like you know that, what I mean? Uh, it's
3: like the always sunny in Philadelphia meme. You know, when he's crazy yeah. and he has all <laughs> the pins. That's what I want to see. That, that's Chris right now just <laughs> freaking out.
2: trying to get to the bottom of who, who we can blame because it's not fully Joe. So there's yeah. other people involved. But
3: yeah, I mean, I might have blocked it out. Yeah. We
1: need to call in a big dog to do the... Uh, we should ask Louis too. I'll see what Louis thinks. Mm-hmm. See if he
3: cares. If he so doesn't he, care, we could drop it. No, it's not about Louis. <laughs> we got to keep him out of this. Yeah, he
2: keep him out of it. <laughs> All right, I think it's a good time to maybe whack a smelling salt, kind of get back into it. What do you think, Buds? I'm down. Oh, oh man. I'll do a softie. Wow. You're going to go third hit? Oh,
1: I went too hard. Oh, <laughs> oh. I felt that in the back of my brain.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Pro tip, go low and then work your way up. <laughs> like that. You know? Hit it Dude, low. I don't know what I was thinking. It's way better like this. I know better than yeah. that. Wow. Well, yeah, like that. <laughs>
1: Low. I I felt that in the back of my brain something Dude, the you Powell, should do a little trick
3: tip with
2: that. Yeah, low.
3: Where and you feel it. Wow, that's a, nope. that's a
2: pro smelling salt.
3: Yeah, like the Zeb See, like I like the
2: zing. I like the zing of the fresh. Dude, dude that,
3: that. I, I kind of like
2: the zing. Psychotic. Oh, she's dead. This thing's dead, dude. You weren't yeah, even getting get any. All that flapping. All right. Yeah. We got a guest question from Aaron Blatt. Here we go. Hey, Aaron Blatt here, big fan of the show, big Psycho fan of Carlinos. I got a question for the guy. Uh
1: At one point in time, he had flown up to Whistler to link up with us for a shoot, and he kind of had his options to either rent a snowmobile or rent a timber sled, which is essentially a crossbreed between a dirt bike and a snowmobile. You could guess which way Moto Joe went, but I wanted him to explain how he made that choice and how those couple days unfolded. Thanks, Joe.
3: Blatt, what up? Just did a nice mountain bike ride with him and Michelle. It was primo. Um, But... To that shoot, it was a dragon uh goggle shoot up there. And uh, Blatt had me going up there, rented the snow bike. It was the same price. Um, and I never rode the snow bike. And I was like, oh, it's just a goggle shoot. Like, it's pretty chill. Like, it's not like we have to go deep and, like, film backcountry kickers and all that. So going up, was super mellow. It actually just snowed. So the road in was mellow, <coughs> ripping around. This is at Rutherford. It's a super wide-open snowmobile spot barely no trees or anything. And we're ripping around. This is first day on the shoot. I don't think maybe we shot one thing and we had three days to go. And then I'm like all jacked up the dude from dragon who was there. He's also into moto. So we're all kind of like feeding off each other. Let's like rip this thing. And then I find this like little pillow line and I was like, hit it first time. I was like, good. Like, I mean, it's low hit it. First try. It was good. And then I'm like, uh, Blake, Blake, Paul was there. I was like, Blake, get this shot and then it had dug a trench and I just went front ski up. Then it just slapped me down over the bars and I hit my knee on the bars as I was going over and just sliced it open. And I was like, Oh no, no. I was like, there's blood. There's blood everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Felt my like pants sticking to my knee, you know? And I was like, Oh no. Like I'm just thinking of everything in my head. I got to shoot. Hopefully my knee isn't that bad. And then, uh, yeah, it was full, uh, like, 10-stitch slice. And, but I kind of just totally played it off as hard as I could and filmed the whole day. And then at the what? end of the day, my knee was so swollen. I went, went to the hospital in Whistler, got it stitched up, and shot the next two days, like, one-legged. And I rode, then I rode a sled, and um, Jake rode the snow bike the rest of the two days. I was beast. I was told uh, that you basically
2: dude. like were were like blacking out. You were so excited, like pinning it through the woods, and it was so sick. You know, it's yeah,
3: like- it's it was. Had really- you not got
1: hurt, you would have been stoked.
3: Oh yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah, like it. That would it would have been cool.
2: You like, burned so much more fuel though, and the tank smaller. It was actually How are you a, able. to. It was actually a three fifty. Well, because okay.
3: it was snowing out, so we weren't going deep, Whistler. Oh god, we doing like the pillows in the low. Yep, in the trees, but we we poked out just into that like lower zone, and I was like ripping. I was like, oh, this is awesome! Blake, get a shot. This is sick. So there's <laughs> a clip of this, right? Yeah, Blake's got Blake. Paul's got it. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Gosh, we're
2: brutal, dude. <clears throat> yeah, we're gonna need to. We're gonna need to pull that up. <laughs> Blood <laughs> on the it ice. It was so
3: small. Like you know, it was just one of those things. Like it's a small pillow, but when you're on like a motorcycle up high, you feel like you have to like kind of air. But yeah, the front end just dropped, and I just went
2: straight over. Rookie move. All right, I think it's time to uh, talk about pub beer, buds. Let's do it. You got one of those cans in front I of you. You gonna crush go some the, can? Go for the cold one. Well, we happen to be, uh, yeah, it happens to be a good day for crushing can today. Double fist. You gonna double fist? I might later. It's yeah. a little
1: early for a d- doubly do.
2: How many of those do you think you're gonna put down this weekend?
1: It's Friday, brother. There's there's uh, there's no amount that I might steer away from. You know, I mean, okay. 12, 18.
2: could be one, could be a 30? I 30. mean. It's Friday. Okay, perfect. Well, uh, if you're looking to get absolutely shit housed or just have a few casual beers, be sure to pick up pub beer wherever available in your local area. They are a huge supporter of the show. With that being said,
1: and they are delicious too. Cheap, fun beer.
2: Let's get into the crapshoot. shoot. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the pub beer crab shoot.
2: We got some goon gear dice. Uh, they may be sold out by now. But um, get them while they're hot uh, at GoonGear.com. I don't think we sell them. It's kind
3: of sick.
1: The six.
2: Give
3: Shout out the Lucas. Luggie. Lucas is the man. All right, give the So, yeah, so yeah, what's our, what's our game?
2: What you roll do? it, and I'll tell you what you're going to do.
3: Okay. <laughs> Dude, we used to play Dice, the four, five, six. Remember, that? One, mm-hmm. those games See were low? heavy. We got a Four.
2: Four. Oh, what was one of your worst bails?
3: I feel like we just heard it. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Um, I got hurt a lot as a kid, like skiing, like growing up before I started snowboarding. That was kind of what actually, that's actually a good, good answer. So I got I skied from when I was three until maybe 17 or something. And uh, this was mostly at Mount Snow. And it was pretty sick at the time. They used to have X Games and stuff. And so we would get to ride those parks after X Games. And I got hurt a couple of times really bad skiing. And um, my mom was like, you know, why are you doing this? Like, why don't you try this snowboarding thing? This is like 2000, 2001. Because she thought it was going to slow me down, you know. Um, and that's actually why I picked up snowboarding. she's Because, you know, I bru- bruised my heels. I like couldn't walk. Like, uh, did kidneys. Like, landed on my back. Did a bunch of stuff. And, yeah. And, and that's actually what got me to snowboarding. My mom was like, you should try something different. Um, that was when I was 17. And then I... Snowboarded all since then. Then I moved to Big Bear. I moved to Big Bear. Really, only snowboarding two or three years, um but snowboarding every day with Justin and all those guys and Joe Carter. Like we we got good pretty fast. Like we're probably doing a hundred days easy a year at Bear. So yeah, I'd say it wasn't like one slam. You know, like I have some moto stuff. Like did some shoulder injuries and stuff. But I think the injuries leading to snowboarding is probably the most probably cool. it's
1: cool that your mom. Got you to do the switch.
3: Yeah, she always tried to get me to do other stuff because she thought it would slow me down, but then you just get to the extreme of the <laughs> of And then the here you lot. are
1: moving to California.
3: Yeah, and riding motocross yeah. and like <laughs> hanging with these guys, riding dirt bikes. And it's funny, I just, you know, really started mountain biking a lot again. Uh after taking a hiatus for years and, you know, got a downhill bike again. I'm just like, oh man, it's like life's just a full circle, yeah. you
2: know. Well, you've had a lot of time uh, in front of, or I guess behind the lens, but maybe not as notable as your time in front of the lens. Mm -hmm. You have a a small part in uh, Skeleton Crew group effect, which is just a a cult classic snowboard film. Facts. One of the greatest films that maybe didn't get the the credit it deserves. It was ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time. Let's let's pull up a couple of your clips from uh, Skeleton Crew because you really brought the heat in that. There we have the front board on the uh and then the the one foot as a stale fish to flat in
3: Sorels, just so you guys know. Hippie, hippie hop. hop. Yeah, hippie hops were in back then. That's um hippie hops were big in uh Jesse Bertner's you know think think videos. Mm-hmm. So we did those a lot around bear when we could. Was
2: that as far as on a board, <laughs> would you say that beat the skeleton crew part was your peak?
3: I actually had um a shot in, I think it was the first bear DVD, the park video, hand plant wall ride. Mm -hmm. It was like a five foot wall ride. I was good at hand plants. That was kind of it. I've done like three backflips my whole life. A funny story about the backflips. I was like, it was first year I lived lived in bear. And I was like, my girlfriend from back home, Mm -hmm. I was dating at the time. And I was like, you know, all upset. And I was like, I'm going to go out and do a backflip today. I don't even care what happens. And I learned (laughs) learned (laughs) backflips. Yeah, just an emotional kid wearing tight pants.
1: So, Joe, I got another Patreon question for you. Let's see where we're going to go with this right now. All right. This is from Wyndham Miller. What do you like filming and doing more, moto or snow? Mm,
3: That's interesting. I'd say right now i have to go filming moto. Just because it's new, different. Like, I'm not friends with the riders. You know, the professional guys, like... You know, you take you take it all for granted with snowboarding, you know, like, you know, calling up you, call Mark McMorris Sage, you know what I mean? Just texting these guys like Olympians, you know, where when I see the motocross guys, it's out of my element a bit more. So I see the supercross champion and I'm like doing an interview with him. You're like, All right, I got to be on my A game right now. Like, you know, don't annoy him, you know, like, so I think that's just fresh, you know, it's hard. It's uh Keeping things fresh is always new and fun, you know, but I, I like riding moto a lot, um, which is, is fun, but there's a fine line, man, with everything, with um, your hobby becoming your job, and that's one bummer about snowboarding, um, and, and I'm over it now a bit, but there were some years where I get home from a trip, and everyone's like, let's go to Bear, let's go snowboard, and you're just like, oh, man, I was just 10 days straight in the streets. The last thing I want to do now is be on snow, so that became my job. Where now? I, I this year actually I'm really almost more excited to snowboard than I've been in the last five years. Um, so maybe we'll, maybe we'll, maybe next year if you guys ask me this question will be opposite. You know,
2: but I have a question too because uh, let's talk about your your motocross career here. So uh, you know, race uh, B class, uh, thirty plus vet racer. Um, you know, how are we feeling coming into you know? Next summer, you know, what do we get to do in the off-season? you got a training regiment. You think we're going to get on top of the podiums. So would you like to thank your mechanic, anything like that? So
3: going into Mammoth. So Mammoth uh, motocross is a race that's been around for, f- I think it's gone 53 years this, mm-hmm. this year, um, consecutively besides uh, the COVID year. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to try and do B class again, which is pretty freaking fast, man. Like I got um, top 10 in C. In uh, the C class, which is like beginner class. So I moved up to B and they're just so fast. And you're doing seven laps at 10,000 feet. Um, so you're riding for maybe 18 minutes, you know, like heart rate's probably 180, 190 for, you know, almost eight, 20 minutes. And it's just, it's brutal. But I think from last year, what I learned, I need to prepare a little more at altitude. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm actually going to try and do more moto at, in Big Bear this summer. So in June, go up there more and moto at eight thousand feet. So it's not a big jump. It's crazy going from LA at zero. Yeah, it's to, a huge setback. to doing a twenty-minute race, yeah. uh, and and there's a practice day, and then you do two races. So you're you're doing like five big motos at ten thousand feet. Is like my lungs were burning when we went when we went up there. Mm-hmm. Chris was there, and 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 Blum was racing Scott too. Blum so it was super fun, man. Like like I I've been going. This will be my fifth year racing Mammoth. I think. And it was really fun this past year with Blum there and Chris. And, you know, you get to meet more friends. Where a lot of times I was just going up solo. But uh, but that weekend that we race is awesome. It's only 30-plus plus riders, 30 That's years cool. old. Uh, so it's like a different thing than the teenagers and yeah. trying to murder each other going into the first turn, you know. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to go to work the, on Monday.
2: The, the best was uh, he was behind me with a red camera for my first gate drop. And uh, literally, like, Full-blown red camera. And we're racing C-Class, like not me and Blum are on the same gate. 40 men lined up along a gate. It drops. We all fly fly out of the gate up this huge hill. And I fucking had a horrible start where I stalled my bike a little bit. And literally, like, he's got he's a red camera behind me in the start. I was the last guy out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, it was classic. People are like, who is that guy? <laughs> like,
3: they thought he was a brother. This guy with a red camera. camera on him. <laughs> they thought he was one of the, like, the Supercross Kids dads or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll send you that clip. Yeah, it's no, right <laughs> extremely embarrassing, actually. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Bogged.
2: Yeah, I good. think I started in third for the record. I think bogged like a son of a, it, a gun.
3: It's all fun, man. Like, having these things to do outside of work <laughs> and outside of what we have to do. Just get your mind off, off real life, you know. I think everybody should have hobbies outside of what you're working, man. It's the best. Even today, I went mountain biking this morning before the podcast, and there was all these things I'm thinking about that I have to do when I get home. And, dude, for that hour and a half, I was just grinding up the hills and trying to go as fast down as I could. And then I get back to the car, I'm like, shit, I still got to do that stuff I forgot about. You know, but I don't know, that mental health stuff. You need that, whether it's you talk to a therapist or you use moto as a therapy or mountain biking, you know, and snowboarding too. I mean, that's what we did that every day. You know, it's like you don't think about anything when you're on the mountain, right? You're laughing, you're going up the chair.
2: So, I have a question facts. now for the young kid that's that's trying to come up and make a make a living in snowboarding or snowboard filmmaking specifically snowboard filming the, the the guy that's into that that's like like a young Joe Carlino you know knowing what you know now what advice do you have for these kids that want to make a career in it?
3: Um, I think the biggest thing uh, is being fun to be around. You know, like you're gonna have to take. the the jobs for free. You know, you're going to have to invest two years, three years. It's like going to school. I always thought I never went to college, you know, actually I went to college for five days and I was like falling asleep in class. And I asked my parents, I was like, I just can't do this. It feels like high school. Like I don't, I never learned by the book. I learned by being out there. So I actually asked my parents, can I take a year off and just see where it takes me? And that's ended up with taking me to bear, got a job you know, making hundred dollars a video. But then the next year that hundred bucks turned in bear hired me for 24,000, you know, a year out of high school, two years, that's not bad, you know? And then the next year moved up a little more, worked at Transworld. They paid me 36,000, you know, every year it went up, you know, and my parents was really cool that they, that's for a conservative East coast family. That's kind of tough for them to be like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, yeah, go out there with your camera and make a living, you know? Um, But as far as a kid now, I think it's be cool, like meet the local pros and try and come up with them, you know, and that's, I was lucky enough to do that with, you know, the Johnny Miller, Chad Tarbell, Uh, I eventually met Austin Smith and Brian Fox, you know, and kind of came up at that same time, you know, Pat Moore got to film with him sometimes. And um, it's hard to to know who's going to be the pro, but it's, you know, there's not, not a ton of ways around it or I mean shoot like think about it. remember that Ethan Dice part he just filmed a part no sponsors and it just blew everyone away we I saw that video and, and I was like he's he's got to be in the next trans world video but that's the way like we met Riley Erickson who filmed that
2: you know it's it's just kind of being out there a solid answer now before we wrap this thing up do you have any thank yous you want to throw out there
3: oh uh, yeah I mean there's so many people like gave me the opportunity along the way you know I've mentioned a ton of them in the podcast and I, I yeah, I think everyone who gave me that opportunity, and I still take that to this day. I want to give the younger kids opportunities, and I do. I try and help out the kids as much as I can who hit me up or have them on a shoot or give them advice because uh, I think that's the only way all these sports are going to keep going. Right? Is like you can't. So some people suppress, you know, the next generation. Like, oh, they're going to take my job. But I'm like, I'm like, dude, the brand's going to hire me if they want to hire me. They're going to hire you eventually for sure, and I want them to. But so come along, like, learn. Um, so I just think, uh, yeah, again, just thanking everyone who gave me the opportunity, <laughs> even like Brad farmer, I wasn't the best one, but I was the only one that bugged him. So, you know, without people like that, it's like, it all snowballed meeting Evan, you know, and trans world and all this stuff. And the Nike guys, like it's kind of, dude, it's gotta be crazy. Like hiring somebody just being like, I hope this person is going to do the job, you know, but it's cool that people risk it, you know, and same with you. Right. Right. They're not going to sponsor you being this video, but it's it's about taking that um, taking that leap, right? Committing. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. So it's well, that's crazy. killer.
2: Dude, freaking really, really good words. It was a fun convo, Joe. Yeah, always thanks, is. Man. We talk thanks all the time me. off yeah. air. It's always fun to talk on air. So thanks for coming from California to. Yeah, um, of course. Was with us.
3: way more painless than I thought. <laughs> so. Love
2: hearing that. <laughs> I want to say thank you to everybody that's listening watching all of our Patreon members, all of our sponsors, the whole snowboard community for that matter. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next week over and out from the bomb hole.